0: And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Cule Show. I am your host, as always, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kehl. And if you guys remember what I said at the top of the show last week, how this is now the third show in the new studio slash office slash house that I live in. We were going to make it, you know, one guest for the first week, two for the second, three for the third. Well, I have some bad news for all the folks that thought I was going to be right. We have three three awesome guests on the show tonight we will get to all of them bruce levine coming up here in about half hour's time covering the dallas stars dallas stars radio host and of course your awesome lovely favorite man from the south alabama former alabama huntsville play-by-play broadcaster peyton turnage coming on at seven o'clock we'll be getting to our first guest here talk some sabers here in just a moment but we must thank you all for watching this episode of the cool show here on 12 ounce sports whether you're watching us on youtube twitter facebook Zingo TV channel 761. If you want to join there, 12 ounce 120Z is the promo code, or Z for you improper English users. Jump on there, and of course, with the sponsors that put this amazing show on for us all, as always, including mybookie.ag guys. Listen, baseball is coming down to the wire. We got MLS coverage. I don't know if you can bet on the women's worlds, but boy, it's shaping up to be a dandy in the final all sorts of stuff you can bet on use the promo code 12 ounce sports and get signed up for free when to get paid on MyBookie.ag. and as always up in the corner second string leather company hashtag crafted from the crease guys collection nine if you see the swag it is spectacular i'm wearing their shirts right now this is not collection nine by the way but this is their second round of awesome swag on the laptop as well which you kind of can't see on the screen right now as i just realized but hey it is awesome stuff they have there. Check them out, Secondchingleather.com. hashtag crafted from the crease. So with that, let's get right into it. I don't mean to speed through the intros. I'm sorry, everybody. I know we just have so much to get to today. So many awesome guests to talk about today. So much stuff to complain about today on the Kewlis Show. And with that, let's welcome in our first guest of the day. He is a Buffalo Sabres fan reporter right in the middle of toronto maple leafs and ottawa senators country appearing for a third time here on tks ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the show jordan deshane jordan how are we doing today man
1: oh not too bad tyler thanks for having me back
0: jordan i tell you first of all how are you doing well before we get to the nonsense that is the team that you love to cover and love to cheer for how are you doing (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a big part of it. I mean, all things considered, yeah, as a Sabres fan, I'm doing uh, pretty good still. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, nothing to complain about.
0: Nothing to complain about until he gets to the mains part. Uh, for, for real though, folks, he actually lives right, for those that haven't seen or heard Jordan on before, he literally lives in between Toronto and Ottawa. Belleville is where he likes to go to games all the time. So he is a sabers fan it's just a little bit further than if he was living in you know southeast toronto or saint Catharines or whatever actually that's a great do you just love where you live jordan because i know like if you're a sabers fan like you could move closer to the border down the 403 right
1: yeah yeah we're uh, where we are it's uh it's a good spot we're just kind of central close to everything it's not too big it's nice and quiet so
0: <laughs> you know what in these days and these times i'm sure that's amazing let me know how that is living here in Grand Rapids. We don't get that too much. Um, but I tell you, the Buffalo Sabres, Jordan. You know, when I when I reached out to Jordan, I was going to mention, we're going to get to Rick Jenner in just a minute. That was really the story that I really want to talk about Jordan because obviously he's a big Sabres fan. And for those that don't know, Jordan, Rick Jenner has announced that this will be his last season with the Buffalo Sabres. And like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. However... There's been a development over the last weekend with some guy by the name of Jackson H. Eichel. I don't know if H is actually his middle initial, but we're going with it anyways. Jack Eichel signed out with a new agent, Jordan. Pat Brisson, who represents a lot of big names. Jonathan Tavares, Patrick Kane. So pretty much, I mean, Pat Brisson now has, I think, five or six guys, according to Puckpedia, that are signed for a 10-plus mil AAV. So that guy is getting a good chunk of change in his uh in his deals with his players. But do you see anything in this? Cause I know to to the, to the naked eye signing with a new agent, whatever, what could that really mean? Do you think Jack Eichel leaving his agent who was okay with Jack Eichel getting this rather experimental operation done on him going on to a rather more popular agent?
1: Yeah, I I think that that can absolutely move things along a little bit. Uh, First off, uh, when it comes to Jack's middle name, his middle name is actually Jack.
0: Jacks. Oh my gosh, his name is JJ. We got exactly. J Jonah Jack, J Jonah Eichel up there in in Buffalo.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, with Pat Brisson, I mean, one of the top agents, like you mentioned in the league, all kinds of of high end clients. Um, he knows how to get things done. He knows how to get deals done. And what was happening with. Uh, Jack's two other agents, the other Peters, Donatelli and Fish, it just it was not working. It was becoming more of a a battle back and forth between them and Kevin Adams about who was more right and and who was more wrong, who's more at fault, and um, obviously it wasn't getting anywhere. It seemed like maybe heading uh, towards the draft, there could be a trade at the draft. There could have been a trade. You would think that as free agents he started there would have been trade but nothing happened and then it just kind of turned into a personal war so um seeing him switch agents it makes sense we, we think pat brisson he's, he's got all kinds of uh very close relationships with a number of gms in the league and uh i would be very surprised if if jack was still part of the sabres come uh, the start of training camp if he even makes it to labor day
0: that's been a huge discussion, obviously, because it's all been about the trade. And by the way, the doctor that would be putting this very experimental disc replacement operation, which has been done for athletes and other sports, but never for a hockey player who's still active, that is Dr. Chad Prusmak. Prusmak? I think it's Prusmak. Um, he was on a 31 Thoughts podcast before they took their summer vacation. And it was a very enlightening interview because you know, I look at it from the player's perspective if you can be healthy do it and from someone who is a big wrestling fan and knows the story of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Edge two guys who had humongous neck problems and it's like all right if they got it and were able to you know live long and healthy lives go for it Eichel is trying to do this while he's playing now yes I know Edge came back don't need to tell me I know all this stuff but anyways I wonder is it why do you think Buffalo is really holding I mean they realize now this dispute between the player and management, they have really severed ties to the point where he doesn't want to play there anymore. Why do you think they don't backtrack and say, "You know what, Jack? We want to keep you here. We want you to stay in Buffalo. We want you to be our captain. Go ahead and go for it, get the operation done, and we'll go from there." Because I see it from I see it from both sides. I understand it's a very experiment. like there's a minimal, but a chance that Jack Eichel could get hit once after this and be done forever. And I understand that. That's the risk. But he could also come back without the surgery operation and also be done as well. So there's all that. But if you're Kevin Adams, why don't you say, I'm like, all right, Jack, try it. Let's get you back on the ice and be a Buffalo Saber."
1: I I think that they have made the decision to just move on. And at this point, if they were to go ahead with surgery, and like you mentioned, maybe it gets botched, it doesn't work out, then it's all on them. And, and they don't have, they, they, they have nothing to show for it. Um, I think that it's, it's maybe been blown up a little bit more um, than it would be under normal circumstances because I think that both sides are trying to use it as something to you know, expedite a divorce, so to speak. It sounds crazy that the Sabres would want to move on like this, but at the same time, uh, what they've been doing isn't working. And Jack has been a, a phenomenal player, um, a lot of fun to watch. I know we've talked about it before, um, but they haven't done anything with him. Literally every team that's ever uh, played a playoff game has done it without Jack Eichel. So um, while he's uh, the best player on the team and uh, definitely their offensive leader, if they've decided that they want to go in a new direction, uh, cheaper direction for the <laughs> Pagulas as well for a for time being, Um, I can see both sides kind of trying to milk this for all it's worth just to try and kind of, you know, push each other until one of them blinks to make the move. Um, You're never going to win a trade uh, when you're trading Jack Eichel um, normally. But, uh, yeah, it it just seems like at this point, both sides have just decided that this is enough without actually coming out and saying it. I, I mean, Kevin Adams in a press conference a little while ago said, oh, I'd be more than happy if Jack was here for training camp. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> you yeah, you don't you don't want that circus around you. So um, at this point, it just seems like both sides are just kind of standing in their lanes just to try and push this along until someone blinks.
0: It's so tough to try to figure out what goes on in Kevin Adams mind and when and as soon as he was hired, I was like it because you and I have had our things with the Pagulas for a while now we've given our peace, and for better or worse, they are still the owners of the hockey club. And Kevin Adams until something drastically stupid happens, he's probably going to be the general manager. But that said, I, you know that he's like you mentioned, there no one's going to win this trade with Jack Eichel even if he's healthy. And I, I know this is a far fetched and I know I am not comparing Jack Eichel to Wayne Gretzky when I say this. But look at the trade that sent Wayne to Los Angeles. You know, we are past you know we're a little over a month past the now 33rd anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, of the trade. But. Martin Gelina, Jimmy Carson, a couple draft picks, and a bunch of cash. That still was not enough to meet the the caliper of Wayne Gretzky. Now, looking at the salary cap era, have to mention that and a flat cap era, Jordan. It seems like no matter what happens, no matter the return, no matter how many picks, no matter how many players, the general managers around the NHL that do want Jack Eichel that could fit him in are going to. I don't want to use the word fleece, but that's seemingly the way to describe it. They're going to make sure Kevin Adams gets as little as possible in this return because, A, Jack Eichel, it's a, we don't know. It's an unknown of how this is all going to work out. Two, he may be healthy, but he may not be the same Jack Eichel. He's going to probably, at this point, after this operation gets done, may miss a season and a half at least, if, you know, the way I've read the, how this thing is going to work out so it is a huge gamble for any team around the league do you think Kevin Adams is willing to accept that because obviously he's trying to avoid what happened with Taylor Hall now granted that was going to happen when you pay Taylor Hall eight million dollars he's not worth that but that's neither here nor there that's what I'm trying to figure out is does Kevin Adams realize he's going to have to take an L on this deal if he wants to get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo
1: I think he does to a degree, obviously the, the challenging thing is he can't say, you know, come out with, here's my absolute bottom offer that I'll take because that's, (laughs) it's only going to go lower from there. So he's got to start high. He realizes that he has the time to do it. Um, And and so that's, you know, there's all kinds of different reports, five first round picks or four assets or whatever. And, and, you know, they're hoping to not take back any salary. Well, like get real.
0: 10 million dollars. So, yeah. yeah. Come on.
1: There's not many teams that are going to be able to add that. At the same time, he knows that, you know, once the season starts and the cap is much more in play, then it's that much more difficult to uh, make a trade. And so then it gets to the point the next time you can really make that trade is at the draft next year. And then that's when, you know, you really got a gun to your head and, and it becomes very difficult. At that so,
0: point, you're trading him for a conditional seventh.
1: let Let's a, be, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing, because they still, I, I don't think, even if they didn't have a trade made by the start of the season, I don't think that they would be pushing for him to get whatever surgery he wants, so, um, but what I'm curious about is, uh, what what would happen if Jack just said, you know what, forget it, I just want to go get my surgery, and just went and did it, I, I'm, <laughs> I've i been wondering about that, trying to look into the logistics, could they void the contract, or, or what, that would probably be in Ooh. his best interest, but. Well.
0: Well, he, I don't know if that, that wouldn't be in his best interest because that means literally if he be, so if he's voided his contract because he you know went up against whatever it says about getting his own independent surgery, all of a sudden let's be honest, I don't know many teams that are willing to pay ten million dollars for a recovering Jack Eichel as good as he is, as he is talented and how good he could be if he's one hundred percent healthy. This is a gamble and and while other teams are willing to take a chance on it, that comes at a certain peak price of how much they want to take a chance on it i don't think if you were to put eichel on the free agent market this is going to get a lot of people mad at me in buffalo but here it goes i wouldn't pay him more than seven million dollars just because i don't know what to expect out of jack eichel unless you get i mean if you gave him 10 mil for one year i guess if you can do that fine but i wouldn't go term on him for for 10 mil if i don't know how he's going to come back and recover properly from this operation
1: yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. That makes sense. Um, and the thing is- Makes him, dollars
0: and cents. There we go.
1: Makes, there you go. <laughs> uh, the thing is for him, like the guy has won at every level he's been at. BU, he was great. Uh, you know, the World Juniors, even before he got to, to university, uh, just, just a winner. And all he's done in Buffalo is lose. And not just lose, like we're talking bottom of the league lose. So even though they were in a it, playoff
0: spot a couple of years back, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. What, we're going to be on 11 in a row this this coming season. So it's it, if I was him, I I mean, you know, these are all hypotheticals. I would think he would be willing to shave a couple million off to join a competent organization, have a shot at a playoff run, to to have a shot at winning something and, and doing something, but. Again, these are all hypotheticals, but. Right,
0: and, I, and I, that's, that is the one question that nobody has asked, is if Jack Eichel just went out of his way and got it. Now, Now, this is there may be a, a report on it, so if anyone does have it, please let me know. I would love to hear it, because I, I, I just would like to know what happens if you just decided to up and get it. Go to the middle of the night, go to the hospital, whatever, get it done, wake up the next morning, and boom, you have a new neck. What would happen? Would he be no longer Buffalo Saber? I'm sure in Jack Eichel's interest, he's like, fine. And I and I think that's what I think he realizes too here, Jordan, is that he knows that his value by going on this off the board with this operation, whether it be under the Buffalo Sabres guidance or whomever he gets dealt to, he knows that his value in the eyes of other people is going to get diminished. That's why I think that at this point he understands it. So that's why I don't think he's pushing to go get it by himself because he realizes, hey, if I can get moved and make my money, perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it seems like one of those uh, in case of emergency break glass type moves. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it just seems like the nature of this relationship and the direction that it's heading, that if if this is prolonged uh, any longer than it absolutely has to be, that that glass will, could be broken. <laughs>
0: i just i I've, i still it's confusing and i i understand both sides i do my best to look at both sides of every argument that i ever see and i work in news talk radio and that is a very two-sided conversation all the time but and, and i and i get it so i see kevin adams like he doesn't want to take a chance so he it has to happen but it has to happen soon because this is something Uh, You know, for those that are, there's probably some young listeners and viewers that are like, when I say the Eric Lindros holdout, they're like, "Are you talking about like the basic?" will be like, "Oh, the draft, no kids." The entire 2000-2001 season, after Scott Stevens tried to to decapitate Lindros in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, and Lindros did not feel comfortable, was felt he was uh, victimized by Bobby Clark, which anyone who watches any bobby clark press conference from that season could possibly agree because he was pretty much calling eric lindros a sissy and then he got sent to new york the next year ended up going to win a gold medal with canada so i'm pretty sure he's not too mad about how that all worked out but you don't want that to be the case because lindros in the year 2000 even though he had concussion problems up to that point he was still a dominant player he sits out a year he comes back he was never the same. And I think, Jordan, you can probably remember his time with New York and his lovely time with the Leafs. He was not the same Eric Lindros he was back in the Legion of Doom days.
1: Yeah, completely different. And and that's the, the worry too, especially with the nature of the injury that, that Jack has in his neck. Um, that was brought out in uh, that uh, 31 Thoughts podcast. Uh, it, it's not just if he gets hit in the neck, it the neck affects everything, his shot, the release, how he's able to move around and maneuver like all of those things are affected. So the longer it sits, the worse it's going to be. It's, I can only imagine his frustration. He just wants to get it fixed. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things that again, if it makes it to labor day, I can't see it making it another two weeks in the training camp.
0: Yeah. Cause here's the thing at that, at which point, I think Kevin Adams starting to realize that this is not going to be a team that's moving forward. I mean, if, if it can move any further backwards i don't know if the sabers can no offense there jordan but hey
1: hey no one has finished 32nd overall yet (laughs) oh boy (laughs) we were the first and the last to finish 31st so you're the first to finish thirty second.
0: you are gonna see a sprint next season kids between the buffalo sabers and the arizona coyotes get ready oh boy (laughs) it's gonna talk with lewis panone last week and that poor guy he's gonna have some patience this year but Looking at the Sabres team, this is my last question before we move on to our final topic here. uh, It's kind of similar how I asked Lewis's question. What are you looking forward to this coming season? Is there something to look forward to in Buffalo? Because obviously the team is going to be a little bit rough. So you're going to see a lot of young faces, a lot of new faces. But at the same token, there's still Skinner. There's still Dylan Cousins, who I just, I'm terrified because I don't want to waste that talent he is I think I personally think just watching from juniors and now watching his he has had flashes there in Buffalo I don't want to see that go to waste I think if you give Uko Pekalaukanen a real good look he can actually be an NHL goaltender once again that's me from watching him in junior hockey and leading Finland to a gold medal the juniors but there are some things but what are you looking forward at this Buffalo team
1: It's going to be a little bit different than last season because, uh, I mean, we talked about Ralph Kruger the way that he coached. He coached this team to play very safe, play very defensive, to not make mistakes, and he was trying to, rather than develop players, he was trying to win games as much as possible, and so because of that, a lot of the younger players were sat, uh, a lot of the uh, veterans, like Riley Sheehan, he got a lot of ice time. Tinky-winky!
0: You
1: know, like, you know, that's... But offers nothing uh, in terms of um, entertainment values. Great, you know, great deaf player, but uh, not very entertaining. Don Granado, he has a lot of experience with younger players. Whether or not he's the right coach, I don't know. Uh, you could see a, a turnaround last season. Uh, they were much more entertaining, uh, taking more chances. Uh, Rasmus Dalin looked like old Rasmus Dalin, as old as uh, he can be when he's only 20, 21. Yeah. But, um, Being able to see just uh, a a different uh, system and how the young players are used, Um, they didn't go crazy, obviously, in unrestricted free agency. So a lot of these young players are going to get plenty of opportunities. Uh, You mentioned uh, UPL as well in net, seems like uh, with uh, only bringing in Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell, maybe um, that Craig Craig's
0: there for a safety net. Craig was a safety net in Washington and nobody expected him to play until Vitek Vanasek blew his growing out in game one, but that's neither here nor there, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's kind of a story I'm really interested in because you think about it, the guy has has been around forever, he could have retired, and he came out of retirement, and it wasn't to win a cup, it was to join whatever this is, (laughs) and so- I wanna help. Yeah. Get a shovel, kid. I mean, this guy, like, is he going to get uh, a Masterson trophy or something just for uh, coming back to, to do this? Sticking with the Sabres? Um, yeah. So it, Lifetime it, Achievement some, Award? Exactly. There'll be some interesting things to follow. Um, a, a, as rough a situation as they're in, I think that the setup of the organization now and having a more unified direction and where they want to go, it can, it can mean some positive things. There's, it's still going to be a rough two years at least.
0: And, the, and I think this is why I say I know people are harping on Kevin Adams, stuff like that. I feel like you have to keep him around because the issue with Ralph Kruger getting fired, looking at my clock here. Uh, well, and uh, I'll just quick end on this one. With Ralph Kruger getting fired, it was like, oh, we got to keep some consistency. Maybe Don Granato may be the right guy. But I'll we'll have to get your take on that when they start playing to see if it actually works out. Uh, but the, the last thing we want to talk about here, Rick Jenner retiring after this coming season and jordan i i tweeted this out and a lot of people liked it i said this outside of you know your your national broadcasters your bob coles your jim hewson's doc emmerich's uh, gary thorne's here in the states in terms of local broadcasters hometown team broadcasters i put rick genera up there with joe bowen um uh dan uh dan kelly the late dan kelly the former st louis blues even though he did suffer hockey but he's mainly for the blues and dave schrader when he was with detroit before he went national as well i put that being the mount rushmore of local hometown broadcasters, radio tv vice versa he's a legend rick is and he's already a foster hewitt memorial winner for the hockey hall of fame he's in the hall which is deservedly so what are your favorite memories of rick calling games for the Buffalo Sabres? Since 1984, by the way.
1: Yeah, um, so he's, there's just, there's so many, uh, so, so many famous calls, not just famous among Sabres fans, but famous in the league. We think of May Day, uh, La 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 Fontaine, right? Um, oh yeah. But for me, I know that personally, like in my formative teenage years, it was when they had the back-to-back runs in the mid-2000s uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals. And being able to uh, to watch those games and, and hear his calls on the games, um, you know these guys are good, scary good, and uh, it just it it just adds so much to it. You just hear him yelling for an overtime goal. Um, he just it, it's I've never done broadcasting. I know you you obviously do. Being able to paint a picture for those who are on TV and also those who are listening on radio at the same time.
0: Because it's simulcast. People got to remember that. He did both. Exactly. It was on MSG, usually MSG+, Plus, whatever. But also, it was also simulcast on the radio. So he had to do both, which is not easy.
1: Exactly. And and he's been doing radio uh, for the Sabres since uh, I believe it was their second season, 1971. Right, um, yeah. So, so uh, it's it, it's just incredible. The, the skill that he has, the the ability to to paint the picture i know for myself i've got so many memories of just driving around uh listening to wgr because i can get the buffalo radio station here and uh you know you just hear them yelling and you think oh what happened oh, oh okay yeah they cleared the puck around or something right well then they, nowadays
0: <laughs> and they cleared the puck and the sabers have killed off the penalty <laughs> they
1: have cleared the zone yeah uh but it, it's uh it's funny i I, when i was thinking of some of the more memorable ones i, I was thinking of one coming home uh, i was driving home from toronto listening to the game and then all of a sudden the air went dead it was so oh, quiet, gosh. and and i couldn't figure out what happened and that was a game uh, a few years ago where he, he had a medical emergency and oh, all yeah. of a sudden came back in brian duff finished calling the game i remember i was driving i thinking, what is going on and was that, that after was, Dun-
0: just- was that after dunleavy was hired by the sabers
1: Um, I I believe so. I don't think he was he was on for that game. They had the Brian Duff from the desk had to call the rest of the game. And I remember just getting home and checking it out and like, just felt sick to my stomach. Like what's what's going on with RJ? And thankfully, it was, uh, I think he he had overheated or something like that. He was fine. And he called the next game. But uh, the fact, you know what, between him and Craig Anderson, the fact that he's going to come back again for one more season uh I, I think his rationale was uh he didn't want it to end when there were no fans in the building and, and the exactly there's, there's probably not going to be too many fans in the building this year either when he's calling the games but listen
0: um, if i get save up the money i will go to that last you know, actually well it'd be kind of dumb to go to the last game in buffalo and be like wait i can't hear you <laughs> i've always wondered that last game for the broadcast I'm like do you go to the game and like wave at him or do you sit and watch I mean, I, I I would personally, I love to, I love listening to Rick, I, even when the Sabers were at their lowest, and you could just tell he was miserable to call the games. He still made it interesting, and he just has that voice. That's what I love yeah. about
1: Rick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got 20 games this year, and uh, they'll they'll definitely be special.
0: They will certainly be special indeed. We have been chatting here with Jordan Desain, Buffalo Sabers fan. He writes about him as well, and let's hope that the 20 games that rick calls are the games the sabers win now if that's gonna mean that's all they're gonna win this season i would not be shocked at all oh uh, well, you guys can follow jordan at jordan 91 on twitter jordan thanks again man for stopping by and we will definitely catch you down the road when the puck drops and hopefully when the sabers are a good com- decent competitive hockey team
1: <laughs> sounds good thanks Tyler.
0: all right we'll be back with more of the CULA show right after this And welcome back to the QL Show, everyone. Just wait just a minute here before we get Bruce Levine to jump on today's show. We have a lot going on today, so we got Bruce Levine coming on here in just a few minutes and Peyton Turnage coming back here in just a little bit as well. Got a lot to get to today. Let's While we have a moment here, let's talk about the Women's World Championships. We'll get you updated. We'll talk about the Canada game a little bit later on, the one that's about to happen. Oh, about 24 minutes in time. Speaking of which, just cut me off right in midstream, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Levine, radio host of the Dallas Stars. Bruce, how are we doing, man?
2: Uh, I apologize for being late. I had to reset my Google password.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I I did not
2: know what it was. I tried to log in and it almost kicked me out. And then I had to go, okay, let me just do this over, get this right, I don't wanna miss the show. So at at the very least, at the very least, I have improved my security, which is really all that matters.
0: (laughs) That is is very important these days. I get all of those lovely emails all the time. Is your device being protected enough? And I'm like, I think so. I've only given my social security number to about 5,000 websites, but that's okay. Right. Bruce,
2: I yeah. already everybody know your bank account
0: number. Exactly. Oh, I make sure I give that to everybody. Maybe so they send me so they send me money. Right. That's exactly what I do. There you go. So for those that don't know how I uh, Bruce and I know for I don't think I've mentioned this in like a few months. Bruce and I, uh, Bruce was had to be contractually obligated to deal with me for 10 days in Texas while we did the U18s together. Uh, Bruce, how have you been since then?
2: been good not i was not contractually obligated i actually enjoyed working with you oh. unlike unlike most people i meet in the world i enjoyed working with you i'd oh. like to play played around of golf with
0: you i you know had we had more t- had i not had to work at my well my job here in grand rapids down there i would have had a free time in the world and i it's funny bruce i, I didn't tell you this i came back from from texas when came back up worked the next m- or wednesday i think it was my first day back and everyone's like how was your vacation i'm like i was working <laughs> it wasn't a vac- yeah. i guess vacation means you play golf three times in one week i guess that's a vacation bruce
2: that, that's actually a vacation if you can squeeze in three rounds of golf you're not exactly pounding the pavement
0: well i will say this two of them were executive courses those lovely short little nine holders you guys got down there um so i i guess it's not a full it's only like two rounds of golf then right
2: but when you can play pretty much from november backward through february i mean you basically december and january are sort of iffy but you know you can pretty much play nine ten months out of the year here so we need the extra courses
0: i i guess so yeah you have have everyone around and i will say this that you guys down there up here in grand rapids i live right down the road from a couple of pretty nice courses but they don't care if you drive around drive off the cart path or whatever in texas if you go off the cart path there will be texas state police officers coming after
2: you yeah, if you drive off the cart path down here, they will come after you. If you carry a gun, you're perfectly okay. <laughs> that, Just remember that. If, if you wear a gun, you're fine. But if you go off the golf course, you're in trouble.
0: Oh, well, didn't we joke about that the first date? We can You can't walk into the Star Center without a mask on, but you could w- probably right. walk into the Star Center with a gun, and no one's going to bat an eyelash.
2: It, it is Texas. It, I mean, I'm sure you've read the headline, so I'm not gonna, I don't want to bash this place too badly i will
0: yeah, I, I will say this we finally hit texas weather last week it was about 95 degrees on wednesday so or at least pardon me texas weather in like march i will say that right oh bruce froze we have lost the bruce oh boy look at that lovely i will say this bruce as he is we'll just quickly wait for him to come for log back in for us there but i may have to message him that he froze up oh there he is bruce there you are <laughs>
2: This is just a, a, a folly full of errors here. My my internet hiccup there. I apologize.
0: It is okay. Usually usually it's my fault. I'm knock on wood. We've gone three weeks in the new house now, the wife and I, without any issues, knock on wood. But um let's let's get talking to the the hockey that's going on, at least gonna be happening soon here with the Dallas Stars. For some reason, Bruce, an unintentional trend here on the CULA show. We have hit every central division team. I know a lot yeah. of people that cover the central yourself included. We've talked about Minnesota, Chicago, both the good and bad with the Blackhawks, uh, Arizona everything here. Dallas though, you know we uh, we were down in Texas in March right or excuse me later on in the season, right towards the end of the regular season when Dallas was still battling with Nashville for that last playoff spot in the Central Division. Obviously now you go back to the the real Central Division if you will. Dallas seemed like the kind of team that could have made the playoffs last year had they not had these hiccups and this thing called COVID just consistently just hanging around the team, it seemed like.
2: It was the worst-case scenario in so many different ways for the Dallas Stars last year. you got to remember they're coming off a trip to the Stanley Cup final, great in the bubble, you know, it took Tampa to six games. You come off that, and you start training camp. What happens in training Actually, let's go be up before training camp. We did not know this last year. We knew that Ben Bishop was going to be out for a while. Yep. We knew that Tyler Segos was going to be out for a while. We didn't know that Anton Hadobin was going to get a hellacious case of COVID in Russia in the offseason. We didn't know this. He does a Zoom call during training camp and just matter of factly brings up, oh, yeah, I had COVID really bad. I couldn't walk up the stairs for two weeks because it was too hard for me to breathe. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, exactly.
0: that's that's good public knowledge, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. It's, so nobody knew that. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, the guy you're expecting to carry the load, you know, a couple of months ago couldn't walk from the first floor to the second floor of his house and he's a professional athlete that's supposed to be performing at the highest level so we didn't know that so even before training camp starts you have that then training camp hits and the Dallas Stars get hit with 17 different cases of COVID 17 players caught the virus we to this day we do not know who got it worse than others we don't know if it performed if it was a performance degradation could they not breathe did they lose weight did they struggle to get out of it we don't know so you have all that then to top it off you have the freakish winter storm to hit texas in the century oh yeah not a lie we came within five minutes of the state's entire power grid collapsing it was so bad the cold weather here we, we
0: have to remember the los angeles kings of all teams were in texas when this happened so they're probably
2: like what is this weather yeah nashville was first then the king you know they started right. canceling games you gotta remember What we consider freakishly cold weather in February, you call Tuesday. But for here, it was an actual calamity. Games canceled. So by the time they got done with all that, the league put together a schedule that was the worst schedule in the history of the NHL. The Dallas Stars played four games in six nights for 11 straight weeks. And by the time they got to the end of it, they couldn't practice. They just didn't have... The ability didn't have the time. So you went weeks without practice. You played four games in six nights. Arguably, your best offensive threat, rope Hence, got injured and was playing on half a leg the entire season. Uh, Alexander Radulov gets hurt. He's done. He plays 11 games. So all that considered, the Dallas Stars lost a team record 14 games in shootouts or overtime. So if you're basically looking at if you get four more goals – If you win four of those games in regulation, you make the playoffs. So despite everything going wrong, the Dallas Stars could have made the postseason last year. So there's a big belief around here that, okay, Murphy's Law just went to the 15th power last year. Now let's get things going this year. It was so
0: crazy to see it because, you I mean, obviously Ben Bishop wasn't playing and Hudobin was there. But you had Jake Ottinger, who we'll get to in a minute, and he was – playing some minutes and it just it just seemed like that last spot in the central was going to go to like chicago or columbus but then they tailed off and all of a sudden dallas rose up and nashville came through and and i still remember i you you were at you were obviously working the game for dallas stars radio down there in texas but we unfortunately in the hockey tv booth down in texas had to have four nashville scouts like on the edge of our booth Screaming when they score with uh, the one nothing game in there at Bridgestone, that pretty much was a nail in the coffin for Dallas that year. And I just remember saying to myself, I looked at the guys and I'm like, Bruce is not going to be happy tomorrow. I <laughs> just remember that.
2: No, the weird thing is, Dallas technically split the season series with Nashville. Yeah. The difference is, Dallas won all their games outright, Nashville won all of their games in shootouts or overtime. So if a couple of those games of the shootouts or overtime go in a different direction, Dallas does make the playoffs. That's how close it was. That's how razor thin the margin of error. Now, all that being said, next year, Dallas does not have to play Tampa eight times in the season, <laughs> which I think is very good for them and everybody else who got out of that division.
0: Oh man, that, that central was from watching a game in and game out. Was it, was it that good? Because obviously Florida finished second, but then there's the whole capture convention thing with Tampa, which we have, you know, beaten to death here on the show. But obviously Carolina was really good. And obviously Nashville came along with UC Charlotte. Was the central division as tight as it seemed towards the top, or was it just this mirage of these teams playing against each other and it looked really
2: good? See, I would say it was a very good division simply because – Carolina was excellent during the regular season. Oh, yeah. Florida was excellent. But Tampa, when they decided they wanted to play, and from the Dallas Stars' point of view, pretty much every time Tampa played Dallas, it was a we're going to continue to prove to you why we beat you in the Stanley Cup finals. Interesting fact Dallas played Tampa eight times last year. In the first seven games, they saw Andre Vasilevsky. There was, even if Tampa had played someone else the night before, they saw Vasilevsky every single time until the final meeting of the season, when Tampa was getting ready for that showdown with Florida to determine the second spot. That was the only time they saw Curtis McLean. Yeah. So there was a special rivalry with Tampa to prove a point to the Dallas Stars, and that makes it tough. I thought Carolina was excellent, but you know what? When Tampa was able to get Kucherov back and did what they did, hats off to them. They were the best team in hockey. And Arguably the best team in hockey two years in a row. If you go back to the malfunction against Columbus, they've really have been the best team in regular season for three straight years, and that's pretty phenomenal. Still, so, look at that. Uh, Dallas was in a tough division.
0: Still haven't lost back-to-back games in the postseason. Now, granted, if you look at the bar being in the West, Con- Western Division last year, it's a pretty low bar to go underneath. So, I, I, and it was, and of course, there's many people that think the North Division was bad, and you there, even though Montreal made it that far. There is some argument towards at least during the regular season, but let's get back to Dallas here. They've had a a, a rather interesting off season, and, and I say interesting in a good way, simply because of the fact that some of the moves they make, that you get some depth in a and goal because obviously you need that with Brayden Holpe you get Bray or you with Brayden Holpe because of Ben Bishop, you sign Ryan Suter, which is completely ironic or coincidental however you want to say it, going from Minnesota to Dallas. Take with that what you will and you assign a guy like luke Lendani for a million and a half for a couple years adding some more depth down both can play center and the wing i've seen him play both and but of course you sign the big extension from your high you know i say this and i said this before to all the other guests that i've had that are on the other teams i'm like if dallas can avoid covid and any other calamities that happened last year this can be a real competitive playoff team
2: now i'm going to assume that you have watched the last dance
0: Yo. Jordan. Oh, yes.
2: Uh, okay, for the Dallas Stars, now take away the six, to five previous championships and Phil Jackson being the Zen Master. This year is sort of the Dallas Stars version of the last dance with this core of players. You look at the guys, you've got Jamie Benn is going to be 33. Tyler Sagan's going to be 30 this year. Pavelski is going to be 38. Radulov is on the downhill slide. He just barely got over the hump, but he's on the downhill slide toward as well. So you're looking at this core of players. This is their last chance. They came so close two years ago to making the championship run and finishing it that they wanted to do two years ago. So for the Dallas Stars, this is not just another hockey season. This is the year. And also consider that after this year, Radulov's contract's up. Pavelski's contract's up. If they can't re-sign Klingberg, Klingberg's contract is up. And Rick the head coach his contract ends this year, too. So for the Dallas Stars, this is a or make-or-break year. Now, the odds of the Stars losing, Sagan, Radulov, uh, Hins, I don't know how Hints did what he did on one leg. And there's one other factor involved here. When the Stars lost Alexander Radulov, they lost two players. They lost Radulov, and they mentally lost Dennis Gurianov. Mm-hmm. Gurianov, who looked so good in the playoffs and was such a big performer two years ago, really seemed lost at times out there last year. What happened to him? If they can get him back, the offense is going to be pretty potent. Now, the guys you talked about, they had Ryan Souter, Jamie Alexiak, you knew you were going to lose Alexiak either to free agency or the expanded rep, one way or the other. They were able to replace Alexiak with what they thought was the best available option. Now, is Ryan Souter the next Chris Chelios, just that machine that takes care of himself and can play into his 40s? We don't know. What the Stars are gambling on is that for at least two years, Ryan Suter can be a top four defenseman, and this team's strength is their decor. So if you have Klingberg and Haskin and Suter and Lindell playing to where they need to play, it's going to be a whole different thing. And you talk about Braden Holtby. Well, you're a goalie. You know that an 80% save percentage on paper looks awful. Oh, yeah. But if you're facing three two-on-ones, three breakaways, and five shots from the slot, and you stop eight of them, it's no, not good. It's not so bad.
0: That, so, that, yeah, that Canucks team was bad. And, I, of course, I watched a lot of the Leafs. So I got to watch them play the Canucks all the times they did. And I said to myself, and they it's obviously saw Thatcher Demko as well, but I'm like, how is Holtby still standing after some of these games where the Leafs would double up in shots? And to your point, yeah, Holtby got a lot of work last year.
2: So, so this is a Dallas Stars team that you look with Bishop and Adobin was historically, from a team standpoint, great at stopping pucks from going in the net. A couple of years ago, Bishop and Hedobin, Ben Bishop set the team record for the highest save percentage in the season. Don't get me wrong. Bishop's a great goalie, but a lot of that had to do with the team's structure and their peeping to the pucks to the outside. If Holtby can play decently, that's going to be a fantastic move. Now, of course, the big question is if Bishop's knee heals and then how Tom is back to where he was in the bubble and Holtby raises his game and Ottinger shows up at camp like a kid who wants to play. In the NHL, stars have a very pleasant problem come October.
0: It's it's always crazy when we say, oh, having a goaltending tandem is bad. You know, it's good. It's great having three or four. And all of a sudden you're like, because then you almost have to choose then, right? You have to choose which one you want. If Ben Bishop, of course, like you mentioned, if Bishop's knee heals, and he comes back effective as well. Because I, I don't know what kind of cap f- juggling they're going to have to do to make sure they can have all three at one point. Because um, obviously this year there's no taxi squad because of how yeah. the COVID's going to work, so you can't do that unfortunately. But you're, to your to point, yes, having three NHL-ready goaltenders, possibly four if Ottinger comes back ready to go and wind to play, it's the best problem to have. But then again, I'm glad I'm not Jim Nil because you have to try to figure that out and try to figure out who you want to keep and Rick Bonus being the head coach as well. And let's let's get on the bonus page here. Ever since he's been appointed the head coach i've have liked how he's coached this hockey team how he was able to keep that team focused last season by any stretch in a very odd and maybe just me being the underdog mentality should have given him at least a few jack adams votes and the way he was able to keep that team focused in the bubble even he publicly saying hey guys yeah this sucks being in this bubble we've been here for two months haven't seen anybody it sucks being here but we're gonna keep playing keep that team driven all the way within two ends of the final Do you think Jim Nill wants to sign him to an extension now? Or do you think Bonus is just one of those old school guys? Let's see how I am at the end of the season, and then we'll go from there.
2: The only thing that isn't old school about Rick Bonus is the new Corvette he drives every (laughs) other year. The man loves his Corvettes, but he is as old school as it comes. So his way of thinking is, I signed a two-year deal to be head coach of the Dallas Stars. I am going to be head coach for two years. And at the end of that time, we will reevaluate the situation. Uh, the players love Rick Bonus. They will skate through a wall for Rick Bonus. They 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 love the way he he brought the defense to play more offensively. They love the structure. Rick Bonus is a good coach for this team, and the, it's an older team, so they respect where he is and where he came from. Don't forget, the Stars also have sort of an all-star lineup of assistant coaches as well: John oh, Stevens, yeah. Todd Nelson, Jeffries with the goaltenders. You are not going to get much better. All that being said, if the Dallas Stars do not have a good year, do not have a good record, do not win playoff series, I could see the Stars going for a change. But you also have to remember that since Jim Mill has taken over as GM, the Stars have gone through Lindy Ruff, Ken Hitchcock, Jim Montgomery, Rick Bonus. You don't want to keep having that coaching that coaching carousel will go through. You want one guy that's gonna be the guy and be there for a long period of time. Remember, Jim Dill comes from your neck of the woods. He's a he's a Detroit Red Wing, you know, oh, yeah. guy. He knew, you had, had Scotty Bowman, you had Mike Babcock, you had a long series of even even Jeff Flashell right now. You had a long series of guys behind the bench. So that when players came in, they weren't learning a new style, an a new coach, they had the system in place. That's what they strive for. So we'll just have to see. Like I said, it's the last dance. Now Jim Nill is not going to go Jerry Krause on Rick Bonus and just tell him to get out for some guy. But there's a lot of decisions that are going to
0: have to be made, and they'll be made after the season. It, you, it's funny. Well, you, I love how you mentioned the Red Wings, coaches. You, you skipped over Dave Lewis, but don't worry. All of Detroit wants to forget about Dave Lewis as well being a head okay. coach here. I'm uh, going
2: for guys that had tenure.
0: There you go. Yeah, Dave Lewis. Two I'm years of and, tenure. And yeah. let's be honest, had Scotty Bowman not retired, Jim Nill may have only had one coach at the entire time. Nobody was firing Scotty Bowman in Detroit. At least the city would Ever. not have allowed him and and the late mr i would have said the same thing as well i i look at tyler sagan and like you mentioned he is 33 years old i remember or excuse me he's going to be 30 he's going to be 30 this year
2: 30 they grow up so fast tyler
0: i i remember when he's getting drafted he's playing for plymouth he's right down the road from well
2: not right down the
0: road across the state but sorry michigan's not as big as texas it's a little bit closer if you say drive across state uh, right. But I remember watching him in junior think, this kid's going to be good. And he gets drafted by Boston. And I'm like, that kid's going to be good immediately. And then he's a big part of the Stanley Cup run. And then he gets traded a couple years later because I, Shirelli, that was him. Um, yeah. But he had, you know, the injury bug kind of hindered him last season. Do you think he's going to come back at 100%? And do you think he can be as effective as he was when he was 100%? Because remember, that injury bug that he had started back in the bubble as well during that 2020 run.
2: Right, he, had a, he, has a, he had put up a thing on Instagram. He had two separate major surgeries after the bubble. And to come back and play last year was very significant. Uh, Tyler Sagan, first of all, he is not as fast as he used to be. He's been playing. You, know, you think about it. He's been playing in the league since 2011. You know, he's heading into his 11th NHL season. Very few, maybe Connor McDavid, but very few people can keep that lightning fast speed for their entire career. What Tyler Sagan does, and this is when we talked about, you know, the Stars losing in overtime and shootouts, would Tyler Sagan have been worth four more goals last year if he had been healthy? Mm. So when you talk about that, you talk about Tyler Sagan, he may not be as fast, but on the power play, who's better at the left circle with the one-time in the Dallas Stars than Tyler Sagan? Nobody. Does he still know how to get in the right position to score goals? Absolutely. First game back, he scored. Tyler Sagan may not be as fast, but he is going to be effective because of the way he can. He's quick. He knows how to put himself in scoring position. And he's usually he's not afraid to shoot the ball, he's not afraid to make things happen. If Charles comes back and you get 25 to 30 out of him, it would be fantastic because this team is still going to be built from the goaltender out it's still going to be a defense first team so i don't know if you're going to see any 40 goal scores but if you can get 25 30 out of sagan 25 30 out of pavelski you know get jamie band of 15 to 20 this team is going to be fine raduloff goes another 20 this team will be fine offensively hey, I- and by fine i mean by fine i mean three goals this team needs three to win that's what they need to
0: get to. The way this defense is built, absolutely. I, I, and I know you're going to hate to hear me say this because you had to play him so many times last year, but the Nashville Predators in that 17 run of Subban, Eckholm, Ellis, and Suter, that like that top four was the best in the league. And you're starting to see that in Dallas, having a good mix of veteran and younger talents. Well, John Klingberg, I, you got to keep Klingberg. I'm sorry, maybe I'm in the minority when I say that, but if you can try to keep Klingberg at a reasonable number, That is important because I I think he is, obviously with Heiskanen coming up, I think he's the second best defenseman on this hockey club. Maybe, I mean, you can correct me on that one there, Bruce.
2: Well, I'm not going to argue. Well, Jim Nill has come out and said that our priority right now is to sign John Klingberg to a long-term deal. They have made it perfectly clear that they want to sign Klingberg, they want to get him here, and they want him to stay here. It is tough to find a right-handed defenseman in the NHL today and especially right-handed defenseman that can move the puck and quarterback your power play. So the Dallas Stars, it's not that I don't think Klingberg is the second-best defenseman, but Essel Lindell does so many things. I mean, it's an apples right. and oranges. Esa Lindell kills penalties. Uh, he's physical. He blocks shots. He's the guy you want on the ice at the end of the game. So it's, it's just two different players. But when you throw in a Klingberg and then you throw in a Lindell and uh Haskins 22 – You've got yourself three guys that can last another, if you can sign Clembrick, another six, seven years together. And that's a great defensive core. And that's what you want for the Dallas Source. And then they've got a guy named Thomas Harley. Oh yeah. The first, I think, a couple of years ago, he might be knocking on the door after this year. And, and they signed Hockenpah uh, in the off season, which may not seem to be a big deal as far as the numbers Seth Jones and, and other guys were getting, but he's going to be a five or a six on this team, physical, a right-handed guy the Dallas Stars love their defense situation right now. They they absolutely love what they have coming up and what they have on the ice.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how they shape up in this revamped Central Division now with Arizona coming over and I and I'm going to leave you on this question here. The Central is looking like to be a very dangerous division. Winnipeg's jumping back in the fray. Minnesota is coming off probably one of their best years in a long time. They will be taking I think they're going to take a little bit of a dip. Unless, especially if they can't sign capris off before the year but that's a yeah. discussion for another time st louis has taken a dip i i don't i if they miss the playoffs i'm not going to bat an eyelash obviously you'll have arizona down there towards the bottom and nashville as well Colorado's going to probably take the division Chicago's going to be better and then where do you see dallas fitting in all this because all of a sudden like i said the way i just listed it off I'm just seeing Dallas just move further and further and further up the division standings. I said, I remember State of Hoppy two weeks ago said this with me. I see five Central Division teams in the playoffs this year. Again. Again, right, exactly. That seems
2: to be the norm. As long as there's not a worldwide pandemic, (laughs) I don't think any of us had that on the bingo card this year or last year, for things that happened. It seems like five teams from the Central always make the Western Conference Finals, uh, Western Conference playoffs. I can see that happening again this year. It's interesting that sort of Minnesota's being under the gun with Kaprizov. They need him back desperately. Uh, St. Louis with Tarasenko. I mean, the training camp's a week and a half away, and those are up in the air. And that's going to be very interesting on how that plays out as, as the training camp and until the early season goes on. I like Dallas's chances to finish second or third in the division. And I say, I say that because I don't think it matters to Dallas. If, you know, would, it, would it be nice to win the division? Sure, it would be great to win the division. Does it matter? Not really, because Dallas right now is $4 million or so over the salary cap because Jim Nill went out and bought every He went on the shopping spree and bought everything he could buy in the offseason. And by the way, Luke Lindenning in the faceoff circles at the end of games is going to be huge for the Dallas Stars. That oh, was yeah. One of those, I signed this guy because his face-off numbers are ridiculous. And at the end of the game, when you got a one-goal lead. It's nice to have somebody who can go out there and win draws consistently because um, Jordan Stahl isn't coming over. Oh, no, um, yeah. When you look at the Dallas Stars, I like their chances. Now, they're 4 million plus over the salary cap. You know what Ben Bishop's number is on the on the AAV this year?
0: Isn't it 7, 6 or 7? No,
2: no, it's 4 million.
0: Oh, it's so 4. If ben okay.
2: Bishop, if ben Bishop begins the year on the LTIR. You are perfectly at the salary cap. Just Sorry. Something to keep in mind.
0: So you're saying we're going to see Ben Bishop come back in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
2: No, but I can see the Dallas Stars being very cautious with Ben Bishop. And then in January, okay, let's put him in here. Let's start getting him rounded up into shape. So if you can have a healthy Ben Bishop or Brayden Holtby returns to what he was with the Capitals or Anton Hadobin becomes bubble Anton, bubble Dobby, as we call him here again, with that defense, and I think the offense is going to be better, I can see this team being very dangerous, but it's all gearing toward April and May. The Dallas Stars season will be judged, and and quite honestly, this core of players, this Pavelski, Ben, Sagan, Radulov, this group is going to be judged by 2022, April and May. Do they go far? Do they become what we all thought they could be? If the answer is yes, it's a successful season. If the answer is no, then you look at the core, it's going to be time for Rope Hence. Meryl Hayskin, We haven't even talked about Jason Robertson yet. Oh my Those God. Those are going to be the guys who are going to be leading this team forward. Ottinger will be part of that. Harley will be part of that. So for this certain core of the Dallas Stars, this is the year.
0: It's it's going to be an interesting one. We're all going to watch the Dallas Stars in tow for sure. Man, I I just I look at them and I'm like, this team has it. If they can get it done, it'll be interesting to see. Last dance, last chance, Bruce.
2: Yeah, and, that, and that's just it. You know, if you look at Twitter, apparently everything is going wrong on the Dallas Stars You'd be the worst team ever. And, you know, dogs and cats are living together, mass hysteria. Don't knee-jerk by one week, one game, one month. Look at the total picture. And that's what will be for the Dallas Stars. Oh, by the way, did you notice the Dallas Stars drafted four guys from uh, that we called in the U18s?
0: Yeah, no, I saw that. And I remember and said to myself, huh, maybe Jim was listening to you there, Bruce. Yeah, well, uh,
2: Not that, me, you know, not you know, me at all. Actually, he was listening to both of us. He sent me a very nice text saying how great a job we were doing.
0: Oh, that's well. Then again, we were getting notes passed to us from scouts telling us if we can make this sound good.
2: Yeah, it's, it's always nice when you have your your only audience is a hundred scouts who are sitting there going, "Boy, what time does Russia play?"
0: Or what time does yeah? What time does Canada play? Why are we here for this Belarus game? No one cares.
2: Wow. Yeah. we have been chatting. Though, Tyler. Oh, yeah. I, I'd love to work with you again someday.
0: Hey, I, I keep pestering Jennifer every, about every month. Hey, Jennifer, where you need me? And if you ever come back to Texas, absolutely. I bring the sticks. We, absolutely. We will certainly, I will bring the sticks. Especially, I have my golf bag. My wife gave me crap for it. I'm like, hey, I got to play golf when y'all were having a rain and snow up here in March. Uh, we have been chatting up here with Bruce Levine. Follow him, guys, at Bruce Levine Puck there on Twitter. It gives you all the great latest in greatest of the dallas stars and also catch him as well if you want to listen to the dallas stars broadcast as he is the host the radio host of the dallas stars bruce thank you once again for coming on it was a pleasure catching up yeah we'll definitely talk to you down the road
2: tyler take care and keep up the good work
0: i'll appreciate it bruce we'll be back with more of the CULA show right after this and And welcome back to the CULA show everyone as we continue on this massive sprint of today's tks of course we just missed it we just talked to bruce levine radio host for the dallas stars as well as jordan DeShane to kick things off for the buffalo sabers talk catch if you want to catch both those it's okay don't panic you can catch it later on the keel show youtube channel It'll be up tomorrow or if you want to just listen and not see our beautiful faces make sure you check out the keel show on your favorite podcatcher whether it be spotify iheart radio google apple Podcasts. Uh, tune in radio uh, radio fm and probably some other third fourth party sites that probably if you click it it gives your you know your computer bad bugs and viruses but that's neither here nor there always check it out as well now our final guest of the night as we are seeing canada and switzerland begin their semifinal game in the beautiful wind trust arena there in calgary home of the calgary dinos by the way for you U sports fans north of the border Let's be joined now by a member of the Five Timers Club. He is one of the co-captains of the Five Timers Club. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. The man, the myth, the legend, free agent broadcaster, Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how we doing, man?
3: Free agent for life, my friend. I tried and I failed. The summer was uh, a complete disaster on the hiring front
0: it was rough for me Ooh. as well hence why i was okay with my wife buying a house for us because i realized well what's the point of moving if i'm not going to get a job right um, well, at least you one of those. well oh yeah a job i have like four part-time jobs well, that <laughs> and a wife, and
3: a, yeah
0: oh the wife oh yeah and you want to you want a dog too you want a dog that chooses to when she wants to poop and tells you when she doesn't want to go outside and be very sassy I don't know, but that's how my Corgi is. Wixie's been a, she's been a putz today.
3: We just got a new dog, too. Uh, oh, you guys did? Cool. Uh, I don't know how to describe her. We think, she, I think she's just a dumb poodle. <laughs> she doesn't quite look like one, but you you can tell there's a lot of poodle in her, just the way she just gets on her hind legs and, and begs all the time. She's uh, she's a little diva, but she's a sweetheart. You're going to have to send get, it. We got to get rid of the licking problem. Though. She's She's really bad with that.
0: See, I, I if their breath smells all the time, like if you don't keep them fresh, like Wixie gives me kisses, I'm like, I don't care. My sister-in-law, Elizabeth, like she won't even let her own dog kiss their one-year-old. And I'm like, why Why, why not? What's wrong with the puppy giving kisses? I, I get it if she like doesn't stop for like 15 minutes, but like Wixie will come over and like, Wixie, give me a kiss. She'll come over, give me a kiss and walk away. Now, maybe it's gonna be trained her to do that, but I don't know. I, I've never had a dog uh, issue with dog giving me kisses.
3: She's uh, she's growing on me. I didn't really like her at first. Like, You know you're not very far in my heart if I'm not putting you on Instagram. So she's not Instagram official yet, but I think uh, she's starting. Yeah. I think she's getting there. We're, we're, we're making progress.
0: Wixie was five minutes and she was on my Instagram. But then again, mm. if I didn't, I'm pretty sure Kelly would have told me, what is wrong with you? Don't you love our dog? Don't you love our baby? That's probably how it would have reacted, but she's out tonight thankfully she's working so she can't come barreling through the door because unfortunately the office door that i have Peyton, is not soundproof and mm-hmm. everyone can hear me probably right now wixie's probably saying why is Dad talking about me because everyone in
3: your neighborhood could probably hear you
0: uh no it's not that bad it's actually pretty like if people are outside like i can hear wixie bark through the glass slider door but like in our bedrooms like we can't hear cars go by we can hear if there's like you know fireworks or sirens but like it's not super i don't want to say super audible but it's very well condensed at least in the bedrooms in this office you're right my neighbors probably are flipping me the bird right now through their shades
3: <laughs> them's the breaks as they say
0: yeah, well especially since my i because I, I could tell by the uh comment you made there Peyton, that you loved my my instagram preview for the show tonight where i just started screaming at my phone
3: yeah that's uh really it sets a high bar it's you know it sets the tempo for the evening
0: well at that point i had about halfway down my coffee my death wish coffee by the way i, I know I, I want i wish i tried to get them to be a sponsor but they don't want to be my sponsor i love death wish coffee i only just do it for show days because it's one of those things if you have a lot of like ca- a certain kind of caffeine it just becomes it doesn't work it becomes obsolete so i have death wish coffee before a show and it gets me so jacked up that i just start yelling and screaming nonsense and poor Jordan got the brunt of it right off the top of the show. It got a little bit easier with Bruce, and I'm starting to come down a little bit. But it helped me focus and gets the energy up to, like, 12 on a, on a scale of 10.
3: Well, you said Jordan Duchesne. I was thinking, Duchesne? What?
0: No, not, no, not Duchesne. Duchesne. Not, not, ah! your, not your favorite Preds player, Peyton. Not your favorite Preds
3: player. <laughs> <laughs> not my favorite uh, number 95 in the league.
0: Who else wears 95 in the league?
3: Audrey Berakovsky.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. No, no, Rantanen's 96. That's right. I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, wait, who else wears 95? I knew a kid that uh, wore 95 when I played travel hockey, but that's because he's like, I'm like Crosby. I'll wear my birth year. Eh, he wasn't that good. <laughs> he was not Crosby.
3: 95 on Matthew Shane is so hideous. I'm sorry. Like, he was, we wore number nine all those years. Of course, that's taken by Philip Forsberg. Right. But 95, like, I just like what's the tie in there he wasn't born in 1995
0: i'm trying to figure out what he grabbed when he was in ottawa because he started that started in ottawa was 95 yeah because he's yeah. not he's not a 95 he is he he's not a 95 he created...
3: right well, he's, he's 95 yeah
0: oh my lord i am old
3: yeah. hideous on a pred jersey looks terrible but it's, i think it's it, it adds to why people think he sucks so much because he does suck but
0: well okay if Matt Duchesne was getting paid a million and a half dollars would you say he sucked yes oh okay I was about to say is it one is one of those money things if it was like oh he's eight million dollars yes he sucks it's like if Mitch Marner was getting paid four and a half mil I wouldn't want him to not play hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs but he makes 10 million dollars and it makes me not want him to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs but that's that's just me being a salty Leafs fan
3: well, you just look at what he did in Colorado, uh, the cup of coffee he had in Columbus—far cry from what he's doing now. I, oh, yeah. I don't know what uh, what happened to the guy, but uh, hopefully he gets it together. I'm I'm still I'm still giving him benefit of the doubt. We can talk about the Preds lineup this season maybe here in a little bit, but I've still got him possibly on that second line. But everybody wants him on the third, starting out this year. Well, I. I...
0: It, we'll, well, let's start on that. We'll get to the, the big stories from this past weekend here in just a moment. Let's start with the Preds here, just because we may as well wrap up the Central Division. We The only team I don't think will get anyone from Colorado, folks, and I do apologize. Uh, my buddy Eric Pestolano, I have not been able to get out to him yet. Um, But every like what's to know about Colorado? They're really good. They have Kemper in goal. If he plays like he did in Arizona in 2019-2020, they'll be fine.
3: I- they lost half the roster in everyone still thinks they're gonna win the stanley cup that's what you need to know i don't the say the
0: stanley cup i say the central division that's as far as i'm gonna go with them because my stanley cup picks in the preseason just by like february i'm realizing i am completely wrong but and that's and I, and I also by the way i should clarify for everyone i do ne- i do not pick the leafs to win the cup i am not one of those people that does that for that reason i'm picking the edmonton oilers this year can't go wrong with that because if they suck well that's part of it if they win i look like a genius anyways nashville i how are we looking at this season Peyton? are we are we expecting anything from nashville because obviously you have the big moves from the offseason like getting cody glass for nolan patrick huge move um but of course we mentioned you dump ryan ellis to philadelphia you get a couple players from that as well and you sign David Riddick to obviously be backing up or at least be a 1B for younger UC Soros. What is your expectation for this hockey club? You know, is playoffs an even an option or is it just going to be let's be competitive and not get blown
3: out every night? They'll go as far as the youth movement takes them. As I look at the roster and as I've been penciling them in, there are a few guys on there that I think don't belong. I think that the Preds need to go ahead and go full bore with this youth movement, which they've taken steps in doing so. What do you mean? You don't want Um, Ben
0: Harper to play 18, 20 minutes a night?
3: That's exactly where I was going. That third pair, I cannot believe one, that they re-signed Harper. It's one of the worst contracts they've ever given out besides giving Austin Watson a million and a half per season. Um, Then you got Mark Borowiecki. Now, you got to figure out your D pairs here because you're going to have Yossi and Carrier, and you hope to God Carrier is like, what he was in the playoffs. Otherwise, he's going to be Jonathan Blum 2.0. You hey. got, of course, Matias Ekholm on pair two. Now, do you go ahead and try Dante Fabro again? Um, or do you slide in Phillip Myers? I guess you can't go wrong either way, which means you would have one of either Fabro or Myers on that third pair. And you got to give that guy something, somebody to play with. You don't want to play them with Ben Harper or... Mark Borowiecki, that doesn't accomplish anything. Those stone, rugged, standstill defensemen don't do anything for guys with great two-way potential like Fabro and Myers. So I think a guy like, I almost said Brad Ferentz, David Ferrance would fit in perfectly. Um, Just coming out of college, 22 years old, came in for a couple of games last year and looked solid. He looked really good in the summer camp, too. Uh, if you don't go with him, then you go with Brad Davies, who was acquired in the Suban trade. Right, A little bit of a defensive liability, but brings it offensively. Um, I think you've got to go ahead and just go for it. Put in one of those young guys. I don't think it's worth it putting a Easter Island head on that third defense pair. I don't think it really accomplishes anything. And the other guy I would, I would say to the Preds need to go ahead and, and jettison is Nick Cousins. He's slotted to be on either wing on the third line. He's got one more year on his contract, and I think that's a perfect guy to send off to a team that may want one more veteran. Because, again, you're you're log jamming that third line pretty much where there's a guy like maybe Tanner Janot can slide up there. Um, Phil Tomasino has a chance to be in the top nine this season. Uh, and the guy that I think that should be up there, I think a lot of people think I'm nuts when I say this, is Yakov Trenin. I think Yakov Trinian has what it takes to be a third-line winger. He's had the potential. He's been this big, rugged guy all along. But when he first came to the Preds, he was built as this big, skilled Russian. And he showed signs of it last season. Think about that through-the-legs goal against Detroit that he scored. Yeah, There's flashes there. So I think you would put him on that third line. I've got him with uh, Cody Glass and Luke Cunningham. So I think – you shed a little salary with Jettison and Cousins, and you allow the youth movement to continue on.
0: So, and I, because I, you know that lineup makes sense, and and I, I I still think Tomasino has an opportunity to make some hay here, and he's going to get more minutes this year, I believe, at least from afar looking on the outside. And I, I look at the yes, the defense is a little bit older, with a couple of you know spits here and there. Obviously, Eckholm is still there, and it's funny we'd mentioned that Colm when i was talking with bruce levine because we were talking about how dallas's top four is going to be something really good a mixture of young and old and i'm like this looks just like the lineup for the 2017 nashville's top four having ellis and at coleman suban and Suter at their peak or not Suter. um oh gosh i said Suter on the, Um, on um, who am i missing here well, Yossi, Roman, actually, Yo- Roman Yossi, how, Yossi how, okay. how do you forget Roman Yossi, the leading scorer of this Nashville team? <laughs> um,
3: the uh, NHL cover athlete every year in Switzerland, which we'll get to, but.
0: Oh my gosh, I, I, people, that's one thing people forget to, oh, actually, all right, we'll save that for a second. That's a good question for you. Does Roman Yossi lead Nashville in points for a third year in a row?
3: Probably. That's <laughs> not the only could answer I can give you probably. Uh, I don't think it's going to come from Philip Forsberg. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not going to come from either Duchesne or or Johansson. Uh, the forward core, it's it's score by committee once again. There's not really any game breakers within that forward core, and you got Roman Yossi who eats you know 25 minutes a game. It seems like, and he's the the top power play guy, so he's probably going to lead the team again, and we shouldn't be surprised. It, is
0: this something that? is a concern that Roman Yossi is the top scorer for your team? Because, I like, listen, this team made the playoffs last year, actually made the playoffs, not like the bubble. They made it to the bubble, lost in the qualifying round in 2020. They actually made it to the playoffs with that kind of setup. Now, yes, UC Saros got on this amazing heater, helped get them to the playoffs, and by golly, gave them a shot against Carolina in that first round. Do you think that... It can happen again where UC Saros gets hot. David Riddick, big save Dave. I mean, obviously we didn't see that much in Toronto, but that's regardless, that's the Leafs. I don't want to cry about them any more than I have to. But do you think like if Nashville gets hot at the right time like they did last year, they can make something? Or do you think that they burned any magic they had on last season?
3: I don't know how Saros repeats that performance again. That was almost superhuman-like. Now, the first half of the season... We were wondering, okay, I, I tweeted it. I said, UC Soros is not the goaltender of the future. And, and maybe,
0: slap. He really Here yeah. comes the fact to truth, Peyton Turnage.
3: He came back from an injury. I want to say he had maybe a shutout in his first game back. I want to say that was the case. It was a very stellar performance, and he didn't stop after that. And Jeez. I think I was on your show one time when I was ranting about Soros saying that he's a small goalie in a big goalie's world.
0: That ain't going to work
3: now um so I think he's I mean obviously he's got number one goalie potential I think he can do very well this year I it's asking a lot for him to, uh, to repeat last year's performance and then David Riddick I have my theory on David Riddick
1: oh boy I think here we
3: he go Aurey's guy I think he was Czech Republic's guy he was going to be their man in the Olympics and the Mikkel Granlund hockey is fun game ruined him
0: <laughs> thats March tr-
3: was it Twenty fourth, whenever it was. No, that sorry, COVID had already struck by then. It was like the end of February. I went to the game with John Jensen. Yep. And Granlin scored with un, with under a second left to tie it, and then won it in overtime. Oh. And David Riddick has not been the same since.
0: That was when that was the game. That was obviously not the Kachuk game because the yeah the Kachuk game was in twenty nineteen, right? It was in like October November that year. Yes.
3: That's easy. That game ruined Pacarena's career. Oh. Gosh, that week I was on Pelly Box Radio. It's the first time I was ever on the radio show. And I said, Pekka is playing like he wants a cup. And then that game happened where I think the Preds fell from like a 4 1 lead and then like a 5 3 lead and lost in overtime. Funny story. I was living at my with my passive aggressive roommates in their house <laughs> the night of that game,
0: not calling anyone out.
3: <laughs> Worst people I've ever known. And he was playing – anytime I wanted to watch NHL hockey, he was playing World of Warcraft. This is no lie.
0: Oh, gosh.
3: So it just ate up the,
0: the internet.
3: Day. Yep. So that sh- in overtime, that shot comes off Rene. The rebound comes up, and I see Kachuk take it between his legs. Freeze frame.
0: Oh. It's gone. You should have screenshotted it. It would have been perfect. People blows down. You, then, you, then you would have looked like a genius. Watch – even a screenshot. I did this live. I caught this – Amazing shot live of Matthew Kachuk.
3: So I think, okay, this game's going to the shootout. I'm looking on Twitter. No. Nope. It went in. I look up, Matthew Kachuk wins it in overtime. Because that was
0: like dying seconds, right?
3: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was almost like the hockey is fun game, Grambling game, but in reverse. Gosh.
0: Love hockey, right? Hockey's fun.
3: Nashville-Calgary is one of the most underrated rivalries. It was really hot in the mid-2000s, and I feel like it's coming back.
0: Oh yeah, they they play they didn't play in 04. Um did they play in 06 against each other?
3: As in playoffs or Yeah. They they've never played each other. Oh, they never season.
0: played each other in the playoffs. Okay. Because I'm trying to think I know Calgary had their issues after they went to that run in 04. But no, those they're fun games because yeah, whenever I see them, I'm like, this could be an interesting matchup. Now they're I say Calgary and Nashville are in the same kind of boat of where I'm like, all right are you gonna be good or bad or you have goaltending that's questionable i i I go into this year for calgary the same way i'm like you could make the playoffs i mean they're uh, then again i'm pretty sure Peyton. if you put nashville in the pacific division they're a shoo-in to make the playoffs in that top three my goodness Uh. i i I still have the firm belief of outside edmonton vegas it's a (laughs) crapshoot it's it's a roll the dice and whoever sticks lands
3: but We'll say Seattle has made a couple pretty good moves since they made the uh, expansion draft. The the Marcus Johansson signing, I'm kind of a fan of that. That that shores up their center just a little bit.
0: Which people were questioning. Like, they're going to do the Vegas thing. They're going to get tough on defense, have good wingers, but they're going to have zero defense, zero centermen. You get Marcus Johansson, albeit it's only going to be for a couple years. He's getting older. But, and yeah, you're right. Seattle is going to be up there. But I'm under the belief before we move on your are that and i said this with bruce said it with pretty much everyone else to talk about the central it's going to be another situation where you see five teams from this division go to the playoffs both wild card spots will go to whoever's you know four and five in the central if you were to look at right now the season starts today and they somehow and you quickly simulate the season in your mind where do you think nashville ends up because like i said colorado number one i think it's undisputed but winnipeg's there minnesota is this big fat question mark because we're shortly away from capri or from the training camp and Caprizov is apparently still in russia and but st louis is going to take a dip dallas will be good bruce says me either two or three with dallas and i i can look at that as a logical option chicago is going to be good where do you think nashville sits in all of this
3: they're somewhere in that four to six range, in my opinion. And, again, they will go as far as their youth movement takes them. Um, that Ryan Ellis trade is going to have to come through, which was essentially Ryan Ellis for Cody Glass and Philip Myers. Yep. Cody Glass has a lot to prove. And, you know, he's going to be in that middle six at center. Does he take a second-line role? Does he anchor that third line? And again, play with a guy that maybe, like, Luke Cunning or – or Yakov Trenin? Uh, does he play with Matt Duchesne? Uh, where does Philip Tomasino fit in this conversation? Is Ellie Tolbinin going to finally be a consistent five-on-five scorer? Um, is Philip Forsberg gonna be a consistent player? Is he just gonna light it up in February and no time else? Um, a lot of question marks with this team. And again, it's very much score by committee, and they play a rough, rugged style that uh, we haven't r- really quite seen before. It's kind of like a throwback Predators team. Which you can love that or hate it. It's just kind of what what's been working for them lately. Um, so yeah, I see them around the bubble. They're not going to be one of the worst teams. Uh, you know, that's clearly going to be Arizona. Heck yeah. Um, we'll see about uh, we'll see about St. Louis. How far they fall and what or happens if, with their goaltending, or if
0: Jordan Bennington actually finally fights someone and gets knocked out, and he realizes he actually couldn't fight a squirrel if he wanted to but that's that that, I'm not nothing personal about
3: that I think I might have mentioned this last time I was on the show but uh COVID ruined the Jordan Bennington Justin Bieber shootout we never got that
0: oh my gosh well at this point if I'm Justin Bieber I'm not taking it because if you score once you're gonna have you're gonna need your security guys to come out and protect you because Bennington will well that's you know here's what Bennington will do kids I'm going this is my annoying little rant or whatever with them bennington will come out go up to Bieber, get in his face yell at a screen maybe give him a shove or whatever but will not do anything i i don't know what it is with benzie and i have talked with laura story about this as well about the blues and i'm like do you think he actually could hold himself in a fight and she's like i think so but then again i wouldn't go fighting devin dubnik which we were so close from last season
3: well, he's a good old boy played for the Owen sound attack you know he's a- 15 like
0: what was that 16 years ago <laughs> It was like a. It was literally a salary cap and two CBAs ago that Jordan Bennington was a junior hockey there. Don Cherry, come on! I, I, it was a great 2019 season. Had a great run. Con, should have been the of my Trophy winner if you ask me. Was a Calder candidate deservedly so. Boy, did we realize that was a flash in the pan I've ever seen in my life. Good lord! I had high. Well, Who's their backup this their backup still year? Really Yes, Billy Huso is going to be their backup. Oh, they have, I think they have, um, uh, I think you know, I think Joel Hofer's in their minor league system who had a good junior career. So pretty much the epitome of Jordan Bennington. but I don't see Joel Hofer losing his mind over nothing. So I think that's good for them. Joel Hofer, who actually won a world junior gold medal while Jordan Bennington backed up Malcolm Subban, just to show you how good that goaltending tandem was that year for Canada. Anyways, you know, I... I, I agree with you. I think the four to six range of bubble team is a good spot for Nashville just based on how the rest of the division is looking. It's looking like it's going to be competitive and good, but I think two teams, two, maybe three, depending on how Chicago does, if Fleury is Marc-Andre Fleury that we saw in Vegas last season, they could certainly separate themselves, but kind of similar to how the Central Division was last year, it may be a dogfight between two teams for that, possibly that second wildcard spot.
3: Well it's funny because when you asked me where the Preds stack in the central, I had to remember that Columbus is not in the central. Detroit is not in the central. Tampa's uh, not, in the central. Tampa not in the central. Uh so yeah, last season has kind of ruined my perception of what uh, division the Predators are in. I need I need uh I guess I need another season of hockey to, to get refreshed on that.
0: I will say this, and whether you call it because they live in the state or whatever but i think detroit's gonna be better this year so maybe it's a good thing that instead of having to play detroit eight times a year you're gonna have to play arizona four and you knock on wood should be able to get eight points from arizona this year because i don't even know who their goaltender is going to be this year they're they're gonna i think is it aiden hill aiden hill is gonna be their goaltender no he's in Tim. On the
3: shark no
0: he's with the sharks now that's right who is their goaltender
3: yeah. uh, it,
0: oh that's right Poor
3: Carter. Carter Hutton, I'm trying to remember who the other guy is. Uh, they were. They decided to go with the Buffalo strategy. I.
0: I. You know what?
3: Be as terrible as you can be.
0: I had Carter's, I, I had such high hopes for Carter went to Buffalo. I'm like, yes, he's going to be a starting goaltender, and they're going to be good. And then they won like 10 games in a row, and then that game against Toronto when Austin Matthews won the game winner in overtime, it was like a playoff game. I'm like, yes, Buffalo's going to be good. It's going to be fun to play him. And just this big old fart. And that's how it's been ever since.
3: For Buffalo and for Carter Hutton. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you ask National fans, he's still a fan favorite. Uh, People loved him. He would come on the broadcast with the headset downstairs and uh, was really good talking with the announcers. And at the end, he would always say, hey, thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right. You ready for this? The Arizona Coyotes have the lowest AAV for their two goaltenders this season, at least listed on catfriendly.com carter hutton signed 35 plus contract for 750 grand after things went in buffalo i get it minimum wage contract yosef coronar is his backup also making 750k totally forgot that he was still in the league no offense to our sharks fans i mean our san jose barracuda fans out there holy moly this oh
3: boy (laughs) devin dudnik's still a free agent
0: here comes 2007 2008 arizona coyotes kids they are going to be fun to watch. Wayne Gretzky's like, man, I, yep, this is what I had too. Well, actually, he had Brian Boucher back in those days. At least he had a goaltender. But I don't think Carter Hutton's going to get seven straight shutouts, though. I don't think that's going to happen.
3: Mm. Not going to have, uh, can't sign Curtis Joseph out of the blue. Boy. Can't uh, claim Ilya Brisgalov off waivers.
0: What, what was, out of all the things that Brian Burke did, he could have done something with that. But then again, at that point, it was a backup, and him and Jaguar were the tandem there for that cup run. But how do you not trade him? It like, Or try to get him for something, like a seventh or whatever. But then again, I'm not Brian Burke, and I didn't go to law school and play for Providence and get in line brawls and parking lots. And For, for, those, that, for those that don't know, um, before Brian Burke was signed on by the now working for the Pittsburgh Penguins as the head of hockey ops, Go watch the Sportsnet series "Hey Berkey." It's a YouTube series where it's like all animated stuff with him and Jeff Merrick talking about old stories from Brian Burke's her illustrious career, uh, both being a general manager and a NHL exec and a lawyer for the NHL. Like the stories are great. Obviously, there is the story about him getting uh, the Sidine Twins, but there's also like him almost getting into a fight with uh, Steve Tambellini. Yeah, or Kevin Lowe right Kevin Lowe over the <laughs> over the Dustin Penner thing where he literally said he was going to fight him in a barn which knowing Berkey, I believe it he would have fought Kevin Lowe in a where barn I, and there's that um, there's also how literally there was one phone call away from getting Wayne Gretzky to go to Vancouver it would have cost I think Kirk McLean, a couple of top end defensemen they had at the time like so Wayne Gretzky would not have gone to Los Angeles he would have gone to Vancouver and he would have had to have worn the ugly black and yellow and red uh, V-necks they were wearing back in the day. Um, what was the other one that was really good? Endless Stuff with Lou, Guys Drinking on the Bus. Just so many great stories.
3: It is, And it well, is. That, and he expands on all that in his book. Um,
1: Berkey's Law. I've
3: listened to the audio book, Berkey's Law. That's a great uh, book. And he actually narrates it in his voice, which is, I mean, oh, that's yeah. worth
0: the price. Oh, man. I Listen. Berkey and I have that's my next book after I finish the Ken Dryden's The Game the book he wrote when right after he or no while he was playing in Montreal uh, once I finish that that's gonna be my next book is Berkey's Law. I don't think and this is why I don't know did you ever listen to the Steve Dangle audiobook or because I read it I didn't do the oh, yeah. audiobook like could you imagine anyone else doing Steve Dangle's book other than Steve Dangle's well
3: the cool thing about him with his audiobook is that when he kind of delves into his own thoughts you're, you're kind of with him in that moment. You hear how he's thinking about different things. And I feel like um, that's kind of the magic of audiobooks. Right. You get, um, you know, the sense of what someone is actually thinking and how they're feeling in that moment because they're telling you. I have a hard time. If I listen to an audiobook, I don't like listening to ones where the narrator isn't the author. Um, yeah. Again, the author was there. They live those moments and you you're in that moment with them
0: at least for biographies obviously obviously not obviously fiction is whatever but for biographies I do yeah fiction. well no i, I can't can either my i i don't i tried reading a fiction book once i my wife and i got a library card because i wanted to get back reading again and i'm like this is stupid i could just go watch netflix and do this, this would be a better waste of my time I'm, i yeah with books oh, the
3: book is so much better
0: oh god gosh almighty and people and I go to freaking Harry Potter movies and people act surprised when Dumbledore gets killed. Oh, spoiler, by the way. For, the, for those people that have been living under the rock for the last 15 years. Let's jump back to, back to hockey here, even though I love talking about Brian Burke. And I would, if I ever had Brian Burke on the show, I would ask permission, like, Brian, can I just ask you whatever I've always wanted to ask you? Like, this may have nothing to do with Pittsburgh or Can I just ask you about you? <laughs> I would have literally need his permission because this that would be a two-hour show with Brian Burke. I would need to set like I'd have to probably pay him to get on the show to be here that long to waste his time like that because I have a lot of questions for Berkey. Uh, It's it it would be a fun it would be a fun interview for me for him and probably the worst day of his life. Uh, Back to hockey here. Let's get to the the news from this past weekend. A lot of stuff went on, of course, Uh, give you the the dumb stuff, if you will. Uh, well maybe not totally dumb denmark latvia and slovakia make getting the final olympic spots over the olympic qualifiers weekend denmark for the first time ever will be playing in the olympics in men's hockey congratulations to them had a couple of extensions dylan Dubé signing on for three by 2.3 with calgary andres Sveshnikov, a big sign we'll get to another one here with carolina in a second but big move there eight by 7.75 resigns with carolina sean couturier signs a big extension with philadelphia eight by 7.75 as well but the big contract peyton turnage that we have to mention is the offer sheet that has been signed by one yes perry the team that gave it to him the carolina hurricanes for those that have not really paid attention to hockey the last two years, the Montreal Canadiens offered Sebastian Aho an offer sheet when he was an RFA a couple years back, and it didn't work out. Well, Aho signed it, but of course Don Waddell made this made the very important uh, quote saying it made his job a lot easier because that was a contract at the time that Carolina was able to afford. Easy deal. Aho's gonna be a cane for a while. So then, two years later, because apparently Carolina was bored on a Thursday, whatever day it was, they go after Barry Kakaniemi. One year by $6.1 million. Also in that contract is a total that leads up to the number 15, which is Kakaniemi's number. The signing bonus is the kicker of them all, $20. Hey, Peyton, what number is Sebastian Ajo? Exactly, number 20
3: now yeah, for the uh, podcast listeners i put two fingers and then my fist
0: well fist meaning zero not fourth down for you football people out there but anyways
3: hockey porn
1: <laughs> i
0: you know the bunch of jerks mentality is fantastic i love it i love how they owned up to it when don Trey called them out that season it was great but then this team goes out and signs a guy like tony d'angelo and then they do this, and I'm saying, to and and I love Luke DeCock, uh, writes for the Raleigh News and Observer down there in Carolina, great guy. He even wrote an article with the title after the saying, with the Tony D'Angelo signing, here you guys are, you're a bunch of jerks. Like, he pretty much said, hey, guys, this team is owning up that mentality to a T. Now they do this, Peyton, and I say to myself, this is pure nonsense to a T, but... It, are they being serious with this?
3: <laughs> well, I can't defend Carolina anymore. Had a soft spot for them for the longest time. And it's not about them defeating Nashville in the playoffs. It's how their Twitter account reacted to it. Endless, endless, tired banner jokes, which we've heard for over the past three years. Like, okay, we yeah. get it. Since Actually, since I that 18 season, team, yeah. Carolina, including you guys. And uh, so... Kind of was done with them after that, and I've made the meme uh it was like Carolina in these playoffs and it's the meme of a guy on the podium and he's just ah just <laughs> drinking champagne and kissing the girls and ugh, shooting the bird and yeah. he's third third
0: oh and, it's it's a formula it's literally a formula one driver get and, some get those uh, points boys
3: and they didn't even finish third so you know I yeah, and then the D'Angelo thing, and the I don't even know what they said about him. I don't, I, I've assumed they, they did the whole he made mistakes in his life before, and we're gonna help him be a better man. And like, let's put it this way, about Alex,
0: twenty-four, Alex, captain of the Carolina Crusades himself, did not like that signing. The man who lo- who cheers for the Canes with this blind love affair even said, "All right, this is
3: stupid." <laughs> what? Are we forgetting that he sucks? Like, well, okay, are we forgetting that he was like terrible in the last game he played in and got dunked on by Matt Barzell.
0: I will say this: yes, he was getting Norris votes. He was, he did have a good year in nineteen twenty, but when the whole thing went down with Yorgiev and his teammate and having to punch him, I'm like, ah, he's he's on parlor. <laughs> At, oh my gosh. It, you guys we'll, say more. We'll, and we'll get to the contract thing in a second folks but i, I tell you this i was listening to staff and graph podcast i love listen rachel dory is um uh, awesome she's a former video coach with the new jersey devils probably going to be a gm one day if someone actually gives her a job i don't know why she works for elite prospects right now
3: she's amazing uh, someone hire her please
0: she is she is fantastic her and mike Stevens said because they were talking about the the jerseys in a second actually you know what we'll say that for a second let's let's finish up here with with talk about cock and Yemi. we'll get to the jersey logos in a second because it's we will talk about it here we didn't do it last week i know but i needed someone that can really i see eye to eye with on this and that's peyton turnage even though we're gonna have very different opinions possibly but do you think that looking at it from the canadian side here if you're mark bergevin knowing you still have to sign carry price for 10 plus for a few more years and knowing that it yes it is only one a one-year deal for 6.1, and yes, you do need center depth in Montreal. Do you match this offer sheet, or do you say, you know what, first and third picks, they'll take those in my pocket. I'm going to go get someone else with these things.
3: That's exactly what you do. You take the picks in a highly touted draft, and you take the spot that was taken by Kotkaniemi, and you bring back Jonathan in. Well, that
0: then that's still that's still an unknown right now. Probably should make that clear. That is still an unknown with Jonathan I Haven't heard. I've, I've heard it's getting better, but have not heard anything official. But continue.
3: Yeah, I think that's what you got to do there. Um, two very similar type players, and yeah, you, you hope that the Druin is is okay mentally. I still think they need to find a way to trade him to the Avalanche, which you know that would be a disaster. But um, for every other team in the league, because you would have. Drew in and McKinnon back together, but that is neither here nor there. No, Marty Firk's, uh, yeah, Mar- Marty take Firks take not the there. It
0: doesn't matter. Marty Firk's not there.
3: Yeah, that's true. You go ahead and take the picks, man. Um, to my knowledge this was going to put them over the cap if they matched it. And, I mean, you've already stunted his growth. You just, you just take the picks, man, and, and you let Carolina uh, be a bunch of jerks and you hope that uh, he's inconsistent with them.
0: I, I get why Montreal wanted, would want to keep him. He was really good in the playoffs, and yes, there was the whole health. He's, he's there.
3: a nightmare for Leafs fans.
0: He was a nightmare to play against, and I get it. There was the issue with the healthy scratching during the postseason. I understand that when he was you know signaling up to the the press box when he scored against Toronto. I understand there there is all that. And if now that he already signed this, how is he going to come back? How is he going to be looked at by the locker room? Now there is all that to be taken into account here. But yeah, to your point, I I get why Mark Bergman matches this deal, but it would put him well over the cap. You're going to have to do some cap circumvention, finagling, whatever. Obviously, yeah, Shea Weber is out of the picture, being out for the year with the injury that he has, the surgery as well. But here's the thing too: if I am if if, I, if I'm Mark Bergman, I'm looking. I'm just took to their cap friendly they have used 1.5 million dollars in ltir i don't know where they're using it but they are so add 6.1 to that kids they will be a team remember how dougie hamilton joked about how they lost your team that's 18 mil over the cap well the kids they're going to be almost 10 mil over the cap if they get yes very so my thing is this if you're mark Bergman, say you know what take the picks call them on their bluff let them take that contract And yes, it is for one season. I get that. But you know what? It'll force Carolina to make some moves that they probably don't want to make because, well, actually, I'm not sure. I know that if Montreal matches the offer, they can't trade Kakaniami. I don't know if it's the same way for Carolina. But he's still an RFA, Peyton. People have to remember this. Even after this contract is done next season, he's still an RFA, which means that you're going to have to sign him by CBA rules 105 percent of his current salary which means you're looking at about a six and a half million dollar contract for Kakiniemi minimum next year i would take the picks
3: as i'm looking at it carolina is right at the salary cap they're they're right at zero space remaining
0: yeah it says projected cap space zero but they are using ltir because as of right now they're spending 83 a little over 83 mil for this season alone because they do have everyone signed and they have a goaltending tandem that's costing them six and a half million dollars anti-ranta still getting two million dollars i don't know how the heck that's a thing two two million for as cheap as don waddell is or as as tommy dundon is we're gonna drop 6.1 million dollars just to spite montreal and we're gonna give anti-ranta who hasn't played more than 20 games in the last two years two million dollars you're doing a great job there buddy hey how's that all-american football league treating you over there
3: (laughs) how's uh, alex mandelkovich doing
0: oh my gosh like that I, I still I still laugh at that now granted yes Nedeljkovic could play horrendous behind Detroit's defense and all the Carolina fans would be like see he wasn't that good after all you know what we're gonna see Murazik in Toronto blue and you know what he may not be as good as he was in Carolina because Carolina does have a good defense I'm not gonna knock them on that at all but that can take us now into this jersey conversation so for those that don't know about a week and a half ago the nhl announced that they're going to have logos sponsored logos on the sweaters this upcoming season and you know what there were some people that did the old school oh my gosh this is horrible speaking of brian burke i'm pretty sure he's crawling out of his skin now that he's gonna have to see Sidney crosby have a ppg logo on his chest however I'm I'm okay with it Peyton at this point as long as it's not like egregious you know European level hockey kind of advertisements on there that's fine you know just something small like how the NBA does it I'm okay with it
3: yeah that's how I feel too as long as it's not invasive in size or contrasting colors right Uh, like Toronto let's say they have a red sponsor on their jersey I think that's going to be an eyesore. I think a lot of people are going to have problems with it. So you need the logo to blend into the jersey, which I think these companies might, I would I would think they wouldn't have a problem doing that.
0: Well, the thing is that it's probably going to be Scotiabank unless someone else comes in. But but they had the Scotiabank logo on their helmets. They just made it plain white, though. So it's blue and white. It blends in. And I know some people are like, oh, my gosh, how can Bell be on, you know, because it is the Bell Center in Montreal. How could they do that? Well, just turn it instead of having a blue bell just have it be a white bell logo y- you can do that i mean you're not completely changing the company's image by making the the logo white now i i'm pretty sure peyton you can probably agree with me on this it's probably going to be bridgestone in nashville and i'll be honest on their helmets it didn't look awful i don't think it'd be bad on their sweater uh, either
3: right sorry you'll oh, okay. look on my twitter I, I tweeted a picture of what it would look like with granland
0: oh boy oh yeah i did see that hold on let me let's take a look here uh take a look here where is it oh gosh Peyton, where'd you go one
3: with uh, john jensen state farm logo on there too so. oh gosh
0: pay oh my gosh john jensen and state farm it's wonderful let me see here uh i think it would go on the well do they have the c's the captain logos on the left show on the left chest
3: oh the other one yeah
0: okay so that would make sense obviously i loved how you didn't even use a png you just used a straight jpeg well, on there. I, the P, the
3: png didn't have the white outline so i had to you know that's true. I think it's it, kind of a wide. I, I looked at it without a wide outline, and it didn't look right. So,
0: yeah, and that, and that's the thing too is that the the league I believe gets final approval for most of these logos, and I'm sure that the teams realize all right, this would look bad. Like if if Detroit had, I don't know, just for for fun, Hulu. You're, you're not going to put green on the Red Wing sweater. You're not going to do that. Michigan State fans may love it, but they can go kick rocks. They're probably not going to do that. They're going to so make sure. Exactly. I, oh gosh, they're gonna do Little Caesars. It's gonna be orange
3: pizza, pizza. Oh no. Oh, well, they can look oh. bad like their team.
0: Chris. Oh gosh, Chris Ellich is probably just getting all—he's getting all wet in his pants, probably thinking about it. But good lord. Then again, I—I I think Chris Ellich is gonna ruin the Red Wings, same way the Pagulas do the Buffalo Sabers. But you didn't hear that from me, though. Um, unfortunately, it's, Marion is still around. Thank goodness. At least keep hey, everything. If in they check.
3: run into problems, he can just open another. Uh, oh
0: yeah yeah. open another one that'll save the team yeah because the tigers are doing so well too good lordy uh but anyways i the one that caught me was because this is what i was talking about from the staffing grab they were mentioning the logos on the sweaters and they asked the question that i, I was i did not even think about it until they asked the question who is putting a barstool logo on their sweater and the two teams that they said half jokingly one i think is legit one being chicago i think that was just a joke because of everything that's going on but the other one could you guess who Peyton?
3: oh god i was gonna say boston but i don't think that's juicy enough
0: no they're gonna go td i, I think oh, no. they're i think they're going td or dunkin donuts
3: carolina oh carolina. god
0: could you imagine <laughs> The bunch of jerks, Tony D'Angelo, and the Barstool. You want uh, me to go full... You, if you want to be hated, if you want to go heel, you join the NWO. If you want to be hated, you put that logo on your sweater. You want to be a bunch of jerks. You want everyone to actually hate you, with the exception of the very small, mindless demographic. That's how you do it, kids. I i'm terrified Peyton. i know we talked about the whole thing with tnt and that possibly happening obviously we've started to see the talent pool come out of it i don't think they're gonna force wayne gretzky to be affiliated with those people which i'm glad that at least even in the south turner sports kind of gets it but it just the way we talked about how Barca would do stuff with tnt how it would make sense i can totally see this happening with the hurricanes and i'm terrified of it
3: Mm. well uh I don't know if you're praying man. Uh, oh, I'm going to maybe yeah, just say just start saying some prayers. And I'm you know,
0: yeah, yeah. going to dust off my rosary here in a minute because it, I listen, it's a money thing. I get it. That's why the league is doing this. They're bringing the logos in because, hey, it gives them money. And then for the players, I'm sure they're not going to care because, A, they don't see the, the logo on their sweaters. They just they see what's in front of them and also the fact that they know that if revenue comes in for the league that means the salary cap goes up and that means their cap hits go up and money keeps going up higher and higher so that's why they're probably okay with this i but i think the league has to do some type of final approval with these and pray to god some research with some of these because just to make sure that hey these are companies you want to see because i don't I want them to be smart. I want them to be good, and I just – I don't want them to be a focus point, but that would be a focus point.
3: So are we thinking that there are going to be helmet ads and jersey ads? I assume that that's going to be the case.
0: Yes. They they already – they did say the helmet ads were going to come back shortly after the season last year, and then they did say that they're going to have both. And listen, I've watched American Hockey League for my entire life. They've had sweater ads forever. I – I will say that's this. Fact,
3: I was going to bring that up. It's it's if you watch AHL, you get used to it.
0: Yeah, you get used to it after a while. And I'll tell you the only, the best part about it is that's how you can tell what whenever you see someone wear a jersey like in the stands, you that's how you know what era it was. Like the Griffins had like syntax for five years. They had back in the day their first couple were Butterworth Hospital before that became Spectrum Health. Like you knew what time frame you were in when you looked at someone's sweater. So maybe that's how the league can do it hey vintage jersey you know for boston this is back when we had td Amerit, you know td and now we're dunkin donuts whatever you can tell what year it was
3: the the best one is the providence Bruins with dunkin donuts that's that's far and away the the best jersey oh my gosh they had they had
0: they had a miserable like they because they play in dunkin donuts arena And they paint around the P in Providence. At least for a couple years, they did, like, the Dunkin' Donuts. So this is black and yellow, Providence, you know, Bruins-looking P. And then this mixture of brown and pink in the the neutral zone. It just looked weird.
3: Them's the brakes, man. That's all I can say. Uh, Back to Carolina real quick. Okay, so here's our best hope. Their helmet ad was PNC. Correct. On all of their designs. So, we just got to hope it, it's that. The problem, though, is that with them getting rid or them having the helmet designs, they had to get rid of that sexy, sexy little candy red hurricane. Ah, yeah. It is beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. So, uh, so, yeah, PNC, uh, pony up. Put your mind where your mouth is. Please. Please, <laughs> God. For all of us that Sorry. don't want to hate-hate hate you. Please.
0: I, I listen, I... I, I, there's gonna be some interesting ones I, but i think that because the trend was last season and a lot of teams did this is they pretty much just whatever their whatever their arena name was after the company that owned the arena that's what they put on the helmets and i i think that's how it's gonna work but the last thing we need though peyton like i said is a swedish hockey thing or for us people that love the sport a nascar thing where you have like seven different logos on your on your car we don't we don't want that to happen as long as it keeps it simple think i'll be okay with it i'm not gonna get mad uh, right or
3: Pornhub sponsoring
0: oh my gosh they mentioned someone staff and graph said that and they were like oh my gosh as long as i'm pretty sure they're not gonna say no to the bradson logo right and i'm like i'm pretty sure that's gonna be a no i think so i would hope so um but yeah it'll be interesting let's just hope teams make the right decisions on who they want you know rep you know being next to their their logo their team logo they want to keep it good and clean for the kids right because the last thing I need to see an eight-year-old wearing an Andre Sveshnikov jersey with the Barstool logo on it and have to tell that kid what Barstool Sports likes to talk about. Because that's the thing, everybody. Anyways, before I bash this microphone into this nicely painted wall here in my brand new studio, NHL 22 recently announced that Austin Matthews is going to be the cover athlete for the second time in three years. Peyton, this is Chicago Blackhawks level of shoving down the throat,
3: right? Pretty much, except uh, I think, let's see, it was Kane in in 10, Taves in 11, and then Taves and Kane.
0: Well, no. No, it was. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: And then then Taves had a Okay.
3: There were some serious me. I mean, looking back now, it's kind of a cancel culture thing, a little bit, a little bit, but you know we didn't know at the time so well the eh, the
0: problem was when those allegations came out the game was about to get released right and had it happened like in april and then they had been cleared by the time the game came out i think they've been okay with it but the fact that it was like all right the game's coming out in two days uh jt it's just you tave's just you and I, i i can i can see what happened on that i can see the reasoning behind it but my thing is this why two and three years like I, I get it you know at least there was a few years for chicago and that point in nhl 16 when they when came when taves was on the cover that was at the peak of and the end obviously of the blackhawks dynasty i can see why you'd want you know two guys from the best probably modern day dynasty in hockey tampa's obviously challenging that now but austin matthews in 2020 deserved it he was a very good hockey player a very young hockey player But now he wins the Rocky Richard, so you have to put it on him again. Why?
3: I'll tell you why. Because it's the same
0: game. Oh, don't you dare do this to me again.
3: 2020. Same game. It may look a little bit better. The ice might be a little bit shinier. The colors are more saturated. But if you've seen the little snippets of gameplay footage, it's the same game nothing has changed
0: oh my gosh and i'm why and i'm I'm still gonna pay the 60 bucks for it i'm or whatever my my deal i get for playstation plus i'm still gonna pay for it because i need to play new games and i need to play online when i get the chance and blah blah blah. because i i unfortunately buy into the machine buy into the system and but i just you're telling me and the worst part was remember the day before payton they tweeted out hey we're gonna release the name tomorrow and they showed a guy for the new york ranger skating and I said to myself, "Okay, Artemi Panera, that's cool. I'm okay with that. I'm perfect. I I am more okay with Artemi Panera, who plays for the the Rangers, and who may not make the playoffs next year, Rangers. Oh, maybe we'll have to wait and see. But I would rather be okay with him being on the cover than seeing a guy who, yes, was the Rocket Richard winner last year, do it again. Like, it's it's hard for me because, like, I yes, I'm a Leafs fan. I love Austin Matthews. Lovely plays on my team, but." I, I don't need to see him on the video game cover twice in, you know, three years.
3: Did you not feel, when you were watching those gameplay snippets, and you saw the how the colors have changed a little bit, did it not make you feel like they kind of, like, went back to the PS2 era? It's almost what it looked like.
0: <sighs> if they went back to NHL04, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, someone
3: someone said why don't you just remaster NHL 14 which i could not agree more
0: oh my gosh and uh, there's so many little things about 14 that I love uh, i first of all i don't i like the live the life mode i like that which is now obviously yeah. they kind of well then again they kind of brought that back with the the 2k setup that they brought now for be a Pro back.
3: i hate uh, the multiple choice part of it
0: well, that's the point. Can you want to be a jerk? You want to be a bunch of jerks, or you want to be a hero? What do you want to be? Like,
3: that was like controlling the stock market. Like, okay, yeah, you do this certain thing, it goes up or it goes down.
0: Buy, or buy, buy, mad money. Nothing
3: changes. Nothing changes. But you, you, you see your face on a billboard once.
0: <laughs> oh gosh! You can either go out with your buddies or you can stay home with your wife. Which you or your girlfriend? Who do you want to choose? i'm gonna say i'm hey, my you girlfriend know, you're a jerk we all hate you you turd duck in for not going out with us and getting wasted right the night before a game
3: <laughs> the fans get mad too for whatever reason
0: oh uh, gosh i'm pretty sure what if uh because well radulov was in the league in 14 right he was back in russia right
3: uh, um yes yeah
0: i was about to say i'm like man could you imagine playing on the team and live the life mode and having your buddy say hey let's go out tonight before a playoff game uh i, f- I can't remember
3: if sergey Kostitsin was there or not i don't think he was no i, think, Kosti- was
0: I, I think the Kostitsin brothers were both out by then i think yeah. i think sergey's ended when he didn't decide to backcheck against the oilers famously that one time i still remember that
3: oh yeah it's a- memories man
0: two it was like a two on always like i'm not back checking all the benches i am like get on the ice and gosh how did barry Trotz deal with you guys for that long good lord <laughs>
3: Boy. it was a bright idea to bring in the other brother that was a great trade
0: it's gonna it's gonna look great uh gonna look great on the paper and hey you're gonna have two sweaters with kastitsa on. it's gonna be great they're gonna love each other they're gonna get along and play together and hey you know what second round pretty good right
3: same uh, deadline that they traded a first round pick for Paul Gostad.
0: Oh, oh. Now, Paul
3: Gostad was great. I love that guy.
0: With but best first round, humans page. to put
3: on that sweater, but for a first.
0: Well,
3: what do we, do with, what do, we do? do with a drunken sailor?
0: What do we do with a drunken sailor? What
3: do we do with a drunken
0: sailor early in the morning? Hey, oh man, I I love who's texting me at this time this time of the show no i did not like that signing oh hey alex is listening to the show cool Are you watching We're the shining. show Tony D'Angelo okay he must be must be bored while he's where he's working tonight he must be tuning in i've always thought about what it'd be like to try to get like an m um, or a mix lr thing on here so people could actually listen to us without having to keep their phone open but unfortunately that costs money kids and and i don't have a whole lot
3: for those of you that are pulling against Tony D'Angelo, as you should. Just, again, if you're the praying kind, you pray up for Ethan Bear, But he is just phenomenal. Because if already got Pesci, there's another right-hand guy that I can't think of. But there's a chance that D'Angelo is just relegated to the seventh guy.
0: I, you know what? I, I think Ethan Bear now that... Because him and Darnell Nurse were a really good pair last year for Edmonton because they both complement each other. Ethan Bear was a real good, solid guy in his own zone. Nurse was at times, but Nurse was allowed to be more of an offensive threat. Hence why he's overpaid now. But that's neither here nor there. But I, I think Ethan Bear, if he gets put with the right guy, I think he's gonna be a a useful asset on the back end for Carolina. I think he's a he's that kind of toughness that they like to have and and I think he can play offensively if he needs to, but that's obviously not a strong suit. And I think that's why they brought him in. It's like, hey, we need more of a defensive guy. Ethan Bear, that's you. We like you. And I and I think that's a that's a good solid pickup. Just you know, wasn't it could have ended there and have been okay, but they just had to keep going.
3: Why? um Why do they still have Jake Gardner?
0: Who who are you going to train him to?
3: Well, I guess <laughs> that's the case. Oh yeah. God, four point oh five million through twenty twenty three. Yeah, way to go,
0: boy. Oh boy, I tell you, they, they're an interesting team. By the way, for the, for those that um. I know I meant before Bruce Levine jumped on with us. I was going to mention the women's worlds. Uh, U.S. beat Finland today 3-0. And right now Canada's up on the Swiss 2-0 early in the second period. They are outshooting the Switzerland by 21-4 to margin. This coming after they beat Germany 7-0 where they outshot, uh, oh gosh, I think it was like 57-3. They outshot the Germans in the quarterfinals. Canada's good this year, Peyton. They want to win badly. And we really
3: made a mockery of the states the other day too
0: with that I,
3: five one win.
0: Okay. For those, I, I remember I was uh it was cause that was Saturday. I remember no, it was Thursday. Friday? Thursday. No, it was Thursday. Well, it was this. Uh, I you know, yeah, because I was out with um my brother in law and my sister in law, because it was my nephew's first birthday. And I was looking at Kelly and I'm like, oh gosh, Kelly, I'm like what? I'm like Canada's killing the United States. I'm like, is that a good thing? I'm like, well, yes, but for those that don't know how the Canadian-U.S. rivalry has worked in pool play during tournaments, nine times out of ten, it's probably not that high of a margin, but recently, whoever wins the preliminary round game loses the game in the knockout stages. I look at 2010 very, very ominously. Canada lost to the U.S. in 2010 in Vancouver in the preliminary game. Marty Berdur famously batting the puck out of the air like a Yahoo. That's how that went down. Canada ends up winning the gold medal in Sidney Crosby go to the world juniors the month prior canada wins in a shootout in the preliminary round they go to the gold medal game jordan Everly drags the team back to go to overtime and then john carlson beats martin joe in short side making him look like a gosh darn junior b goaltender and it also happened in the 2019 worlds as well or the 20 uh 2018 olympics actually excuse me canada beat the americans in the preliminary round they go to the gold medal game and it ends in a stinking shootout with the americans winning so it's my point taken, Peyton. I am I am not happy that Canada beat the U.S. the other night. Let's just I say that in the nicest way possible because deja vu is going through my mind and it's a very painful thing.
3: Mm, too bad, so sad. Oh, oh
0: shit! Oh, pains Tyler. like for me. Boy, have you have you been able? Tyler. Have you watched any of it at all? Or
3: even a little pretty bit? A little bit. I watched uh, some of the Japan game and it was really cool that uh, Japan was able to to put two in. So. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the first time that Japan had ever scored on America in the women's world, so that's that's kind of neat.
0: Oh, yeah. Listen, and I get it. People say, oh, my gosh, you talk about them, Canada beating them up 7 nothing, and U.S. beating Japan 10-2. It's, it's not those games that you, people should be watching. It, the game between Japan and Denmark that had a lot of shots was fun to watch. Hungary playing the germans that was a really close game that was hungary's first ever game in the top tier of the women's world and they played really well they have a couple players that had just been drafted in the nwhl draft like it's fun hockey to watch i love watching this stuff and kelly thinks too much and for me it's great because we had hockey literally competitive hockey the entire year peyton well at least once the once the nhl started their abbreviated season they literally have gone because they went to June, late late June, early or no, the end of July, and now we have hockey in August. We are going to have hockey for an entire calendar year, and I am happy.
3: <laughs> yes, it's, it August is the worst month for a hockey fan. So the fact that they're finally showcasing this tournament, something that people should be paying attention to uh, in the month of August, and then you've got mm, 15 days, and then you'll start having exhibition games again in the NHL. So it's... It's not exactly christmas time for hockey fans but it's just it's just good you know you're, you're not having to worry about the lawless. canada has made it three nothing i believe that was marie philippe palan
0: marie philippe oh I'm, don't forget pain i'm 30 seconds behind you here i'm using the interweb um but no yeah i can't so yeah probably just right. part of this power daou. player melie daou again holy moly that's 200 she melie daou got held pointless in the first game against finland but now, if you count—I don't know if she had an assist on the first goal—but now she has. If it's her, that means she has 12 oh. points in five games. She it's has a been.
3: Delicious bounce off of. Oh Blanchard.
0: man, yeah, that went off to That was the that was the Boston University over uh, Miami in the national championship game. 0-9 goal went off the defenseman. Co- uh, Kobe Cohen got the game winner for the Terriers that game. But um, where were we? <laughs> so it's no. Like a, no women's World. women's worlds because dan rice we had him on a couple or last week he made a really good point or a couple weeks ago excuse me we, we talked about it he said you know it's great that this tournament's in august because typically it happens in april or may so during the stanley cup playoffs and i wonder if the double ihf sees this and says you know let's put it in a non-typical nhl month because a it gets a lot more views and b gives us a chance to really you know for us that do like watching it gives us a chance to enjoy it because we don't have to worry about you know going back and forth panicking like oh my gosh we got Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, but the women's worlds going over in Finland, and you said I'm staying for a 24 hour cycle and want to die, and that's why I say to myself, I'm like it'd be great if maybe they changed that up because that's why I like I like the fact that the worlds were, you know, around the same time, but at least they weren't during the they were during the Stanley Cup playoffs like they usually are, but at least it was kind of different. If I was able, to, I felt like I was able to watch more of it than I usually do, and you know maybe the world, I mean the double IHF as we've learned over the multitude of olympic negotiations are very stagnant and don't like to change stuff this was literally because of the pandemic so it probably won't happen but i'd like to think it would change cuz hey gives us a chance to watch hockey in august gives something to talk about
3: hey we'll see the tv numbers when they come out i'm sure that's going to play a huge factor in whether or not they keep doing that
0: well it's been interesting cuz they did the same thing for the men's worlds as well they had split the NHL network has taken like Canada and the US, the big games, but they've also been broadcast on ESPN plus as well, at least like, you know, Hungary and Germany, like the lesser games, if you want to say that. So it's given people from multiple ways to watch these games. And I know the, the ESPN plus and Angel Network just take the TSN feed, even though I have no problem the way TSN covers hockey Canada, they get their rocks off on it and they do a damn good job of it as well. I would like to see the numbers in the states because I would think that since it is in North America and the times are not miserable to watch, I think people actually are watching this. I would hope so. Uh, my Twitter feed says so, but then again, I follow a lot of people that like women's hockey, so maybe it's just kind of bias in that retrospect. But,
3: I got nothing further. That's that's perfect.
0: Gosh, Peyton, you're supposed to have every, you're supposed to have a comment for well, everything I, what, I say. How
3: about ESPN, you pony up and hire me for these things.
0: Hey, I tried reaching out to people. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to mention this to you, Payton, but I have to. Uh, before they came on the broadcast here, they were doing HL Tonight, and they uh, they ran an ad, a uh, commercial, for a certain new uh, college hockey conference that they're going to be broadcasting this season. Uh-huh. Uh, the Yeah, the CCHA. Um Talk to dominic hennig about it uh probably gonna get dom on the show here when we get closer to the hockey season uh former fair state broadcaster former flint firebirds broadcaster dominic hennig um he was the one that broke the news to me by the way i reached out to a few other of the possible networks that were going to broadcast games for ccha a couple of them did not know that that was going to happen from the people yeah. i talked to so uh but angel network is confirmed and i've heard a couple others that i'm not going to mention simply because of the fact that I don't want to mention companies that said they don't know that they're going to broadcast them this year, because I think that would be in bad taste. But it's good to see, you know what, and I know obviously Peyton with, you know, with the stand with Alabama Huntsville and how that all went down in the CCHA, at least it's good to see though that there is a confirmed national network that's going to be broadcasting college hockey. Because obviously like Bally Sports in North likes to do the Minnesota games and BTN does a lot as well. And Nesson obviously in the Northeast, but it's good to see a, a national network that most people can get with a lot of sports packages, it's going to be broadcasting college hockey this season.
3: And a conference that rightly deserves it. When I was, when all these teams were in the WCHA, I felt like we were all kind of the the best kept secret in hockey. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad, you know, I've I'm, I'm still got a soft spot for the CCHA. Uh, there's no hard feelings there. You know, it is what it is. It's, it's business. And, um, you know, it's good to see the teams that i you know, was was part of coverage for actually getting a national spotlight as as they deserve. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great to see, and it, it needs to needs to continue. College hockey's uh, footprint, I think, needs to to grow and expand. And I think getting more national coverage accomplishes that,
0: and that's why I'm bummed how hockey East. I mean, most of the games actually you can find for free on like the net because their Nesson Plus shout out to BTN uh, is free to watch. If you want to watch like UMass Lowell play vermont you don't have to pay to watch it but i know like the big games like the bean pots on nesson so i can't get it and kind of stinks but it's still it's good to see that you know college hockey is still relevant despite a few programs not being around anymore by, by the way have you heard anything on anchorage is that
3: <laughs> i i don't know i don't know what's, that's what's happening it's there. been
0: pretty quiet on their front for a little bit which is kind of a bummer as well but of 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 course, I, I, we didn't mention it on the show, and I, for shame on us, but this happened a while ago. Robert Morris just getting the ax randomly. I thought Robert Morris was doing fine. And apparently, I was wrong. I, they, were, they were a power in that, I uh, don't well, say a power, but they were a very competitive team in that Atlantic Hockey Conference. And I thought, hey, they're going to challenge AIC. They're going to be good for years. And the next thing you know, we're going to have the two Michael- Justin and joining Brandon McHaleen over there at Fair State because McHaleen, one of them, had to go find a job after Robert Morris signed to up and call it a day. But Peyton, he unfortunately knows way too much about that, uh, unfortunately. Hence why, folks, he's a free agent broadcaster, because some people think it's too expensive to run a college hockey team, even though people raised money for it.
3: Yeah, there's I, – I know one of the people with deep pockets, so uh... – uh, heard from the source that, you know, it could have kept going. Now, I did get a, an explanation on that, and I'm going to butcher the heck out of it, but he, he did say that going independent still would have been a, a very monumental, near impossible task, um, even if it was just for one season. And a lot of it had to revolve around uh, travel budgets, you know, and, and bringing in other teams too. So um, mm. there's a lot more that, that goes into um, college hockey than meets the eye. But, um, you know, I, I hate it. and, and I'm, I'm trying not to dwell on it because, you know, I'm a hopeful man and I like to keep my, my head up. But I'm afraid that this is, this is it for UH Hockey. I, I don't know if this really – if there is a comeback. Um, and that's why I said when this all broke down that there needs to be another team in the South that, that steps up to the plate and, uh, and gets the job done. And it, we've heard the rumors about Tennessee State, but I think it's going to have to take an Alabama – georgia one of them to they they're, getting, the that, they're getting
0: that they're getting that rank in athens man that rink's building up over there in georgia i it's i'll be honest the problem is this this pandemic ruined a lot of momentum now i i mentioned it many times with women's hockey but also hockey in the south as well the sec hc club collegially at the moment right now obviously but it's always fun hockey to watch the tournaments are always great i know you love covering a penalty box radio loves doing them they do a great job but when Georgia made the announcement that they're going to build the rink, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's starting to happen. And then the pandemic hit and just went right there, just stopped you right there.
3: And UAH was talking about building a, a new arena on campus. And, I mean, there were a lot of factors, going into that, but I'm sure the pandemic uh, really was was the main one.
0: Right. Well, and, that's, and let's be honest, the pandemic is the reason why Alaska Anchorage, Robert Morris, and UAH were cut. Now, yes, UAH was saved for one year. And then told, oh, we it can't happen again. I don't know. I but that's what I'm saying. Like the pandemic happens and that's how all of those programs all of a sudden were gonna be the shortstick because it is expensive to run a college hockey program because it's not like the big like the many of the division one colleges that play their conference games regionally, very regional college hockey doesn't quite have that for a lot of their teams obviously robert morris is in the northeast which are closer to the northeast which is where atlantic hockey is but uah the alaskan teams arizona state then again arizona state has a pac-12 budget but that's not here or there it's tough for some of those programs
3: yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting and you know it's not just the southeast you you do wonder about the southwest right there's a lot of players coming out of of California. I'm sure we're gonna see start, start to see players coming out of Nevada. Uh, our wonderful cover athlete comes from Arizona. So it's it's gonna be interesting. You know, college hockey, there's some guy, you know, he probably doesn't matter. I think I think he was on the college hockey news something. It was a column and he was saying, you know, college hockey's fine where it where it is. It doesn't need to grow. We're we're fine. And
0: that sounds like an Adam Wood on take.
3: Maybe that was him. I don't know. I must
0: say that sounds like a um what on take um i know you're other guy talking about there's another one there he writes uh, covers Quinnipiac um gosh almost had him on the show once of course something came up uh, i forget his name now mike mcmahon that's that's another one of their writers that they have over college hockey news um but yeah i, I think i would love it to grow i would i think as crazy as it may seem i think usc would be the first team out of california if you ask me I th- I think that market just because hockey in Southern California is still a great thing no matter what the NHL teams are doing I think it's still growing down there and SC has a a really good roller hockey program I don't know how they would be at the at the ice hockey level but I think if they were if they was me a program they would be it to do so um I don't know if Cal State Fullerton's a thing anymore cuz I know they're really good at baseball but I don't think they're going to be getting any good at hockey um, but I I I like college hockey to grow. I don't think it's going to be 140 teams like they have in football. I don't. I don't think that's going to be a thing by the slightest. But I, I want it to be, you know, where there's where you can ha- where because right now, for those that don't know, NCAA hockey's rankings are only to 20 because they feel like having you know over a third of the Division one programs be ranked is too much. I want it to be where there's 25 teams ranked. And I guess you need to have more programs for that to be the case. That that maybe that's just my thought there, Peyton.
3: Yeah. It'd be great to get around the seventy seventy five mark. And you'd yeah. have more representation around around the country. And you know, it would increase the prospect pool too. So um which honestly, you know, that could lead to more NHL expansion if that's successful. Exactly. So, yeah. So I
0: mean, I'll tell you this. Maybe. Grow the
3: game. It all comes down to you. You're growing the game.
0: Exactly. And that's why the NHL should go to the Olympics. That's how you segue, kids. Not really much of a segue. It just kind of came to my head. But no, there's any team that's actually really going to do it, mainly because if you've ever seen their sweaters, their club college sweaters, they are sick. Oregon. Uh University of Oregon. Give me that duck on that sweater, dude. I'm all for it. And then you just got to convince Michigan to pull out the, the, the grunting, the frowning Wolverine. And that is going to be a game where people are going to buy sweaters up the wazoo because it's going to be an angry duck versus an angry little cub wolverine. It's going to be awesome. It's going to make millions of dollars for both the schools, and we're all going to pay 95 to $125 for them, even for the cheap Fanatics replicas.
3: It would be, be amazing. You think about uh, all, the southeast, uh, uh, yeah, all the southeast teams and all the color ranges there, once you get past all the maroon and red and white teams. You know, you got your Auburns, your Tennessees, your Floridas. Florida would be, would look amazing uh, if you look at their current sweater. Yeah, and it's black. And it's got blue, orange, and white stripes and in the middle. Is blue with uh, gator teeth across you, the center.
0: You know for a fact that if Alabama got a team, they would do like the the numbers on the side of their helmet, just like they do with the football team, because that's just Ooh. how. I'll, you More think they could
3: do the Bear Bryant pattern if if that would be allowed?
0: Maybe. You're, they're not putting a they're not putting an elephant on their helmet that's all or on their sweater that's just not going to happen kids it's going to be very simple um well, well i'm trying to think can we just say though i know this is me being like a blind dumb kid I and mean, we only got a few minutes left here on the show tonight before talking myers with the rando by the way talking about southeast athletics minor talking myers with the rando he's based down there i would love to see like i'm trying to figure out how the university of auburn is not auburn May, may, is that just a completely dumb thing to say like the color like an auburn color
3: oh i was trying to figure where you're going with that like how are they not yeah. auburn no they're blue and how orange is, how is their mascot and logo a tiger but their phrase is war eagle ha
0: what, no i, I gotta do war, war eagle
3: ha i i don't know what that's all about
0: well it's it, well i there's gotta be a legend behind it because like some people that's Are very new hockey fans. How is the Red Wings logo an octopus? I'm going to learn you something, kids. I remember I actually jumped. I had to impromptuly kind of sort of jump on a. I was listening to like a lot. Someone, uh, Slapshot Sweethearts podcast, for those that don't know, on on, uh, Belly Up Sports. They were doing a live stream during the playoffs and they came up somehow like, how did the Wings become an octopus? And they were kind of, they've talked about it before, but they were kind of someone through. So I literally wrote out the whole thing and they posted it up on the board, like the whole story of the of the the, the Chris brothers and how the eight back in the day it's eight wins to win the Italian Cup
3: and they'd won eight street but blah
0: blah 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 blah. Kids, you have Google, use it. It's not that hard. Um it's a
3: very obsolete tradition.
0: It is. But then again, I you know you know those Italians. <laughs> they just they drink a little too much red wine and stuff goes sideways and Octopi get thrown on the ice and it it's been sitting around now for Holy moly! Sixty no seventy. It's been almost seventy years because it, it happened in nineteen fifty two. So, kids, yes, it has been sixty nine years since the Red Wings first had an octopi thrown on the ice. had nice. to Had to give that one out there for you. I'm su- I'm surprised that the Red Wings did not do a, a tribute post for that. It has been sixty nine years since the Kuzmin brothers threw an octopi on the ice in Game Four of the Stanley Cup Finals. Because that would have that would have gotten a lot of likes and retweets.
3: For all of you, well, so souls- carolina's uh Twitter oh gosh there, or, uh, you had to bold, bring that back up.
0: The- thought we were past this pay and i was trying to be nice and funny but no you had to go bring back the hurricane bring that back those bunch of jerks
3: yeah because i totally endorse that like i really want to stand behind that statement
0: <laughs> oh boy oh boy they, that's it's gonna be interesting sweater numbers and all this nonsense we have been chatting up with Peyton Turnage here on this another lovely Monday edition of the Cule Show. Three guests tonight. Do not expect four next week, guys. I'm sorry, it's not like I said it's not gonna be linear. There's no way. It's next Monday's Labor Day. We're not getting four people on the show. There's not four people in the world that want to jump on. Maybe one, maybe two. It may just be me rambling for an hour and that'll be it. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Peyton, thanks for coming on again, pal. It's always good to talk to you.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Guys, <laughs> I know I like to play it off. to have got you think, think we have more than one person here. I mean, I guess you can say Wixy supporting us from the kennel. I guess maybe that's two.
3: Uh, the ghost of Alex.
0: There you go. He, he was watching. I know he was watching. That's why he comments on Tony
3: D'Angelo thing. He was watching from above.
0: He was. Oh. What? What? What do you mean? What do you mean above? I don't know anything about above. I hope he's no okay. With us, folks. Oh man! Oh, anyways, we make sure you guys follow Peyton Turnage at Peyton underscore Turnage or L on Instagram. It's a funny name.
3: Yeah, totally TikTok
0: now. Oh gosh, TikTok! That's it. That's how we have the show. on This bombshell. I'm talking see See everybody. You guys have a good night. Thanks for watching the
2: Kiel Show. You're at Twelve Ounce
3: Boards. Oh, yeah.